undiscovered creature. Welcome everyone to WWF The Legacy Series on October 25th. 2020 this is a very special legacy awards episode a while back i don't even recall when ms fan and i decided to do wwf the legacy series we got started with that guy vince mcmahon and his ideas for celebrities and sports entertainment and wrestlemania one and hulk hogan and leg drops and off we went but somewhere down the line, the old mystic needed a break. He took time off. It looked like WWF, the Legacy Series, would not happen. Then comes 2020. Then comes COVID. Then comes all the things. And for once in my life, maybe, I looked into what felt like an abyss, not just a personal, but a collective, and said, you know what, instead of running away instead of cowering in a corner you know despite the misery because of the misery why don't we try to do something that might be some good for somebody and yeah we didn't go out there and save the world folks no we didn't do that we did what we could and for us that was a wrestling podcast okay that's what we had that's what we did so Ms. Fan and I got back together and Ms. Fan said something to the effect of, you know, I've come to accept the good, the bad, and the ugly with this guy, Mystic. You know, you might disappear next week. We might finish the series. Very decent of my colleague there. And you know what? I thought I probably wouldn't last this long. Because God only knows what's coming week after week, day after day. In the early episodes, we would start before we recorded by pretty much saying, are you okay? Are you okay? Mentally, physically, whatever else. It started off with, you know, are we okay enough to do this? And thankfully so far, we have been. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful for the audience that has been built. These are intelligent wrestling fans who know their history who understand the sport who weekly get together and have conversations we have people who take notes when they listen to this podcast so that they can bring the conversation we are blessed in that regard and i am thankful for this show and what we're doing today is we are having an awards episode from WrestleMania 1 to the end of 1989. This is how we put the legacy in legacy uh, series. This is how we go back and remember what mattered, what stood out, what stands the test of time. And we reached out to some of our most vocal uh, listeners and they voted as well. I have some of the results. Ms. Fan has some of the results. We have not talked, so we have no idea who's going to win any category, even as we talk about it today. Oh, man, I am thankful to be here. Just a quick note. We will not be airing next week, folks. You can't just jump from the 80s into the 90s. You got to reset. You got to take a moment to rest. So we will take off next week, and in two weeks we will jump into my favorite decade that I was ever alive, the 1990s, and we will do that thing. But for right now, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for joining us, whether you met us before WWF The Legacy Series or whether you met us in this series. Thank you for coming along on this journey. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the hype is back. Grab your shovels because the unearthing surely continues. I am the mystic and I'm joined by my friend and co-host. He is the colleague who stepped up in 2020 and joined me on this, uh, this series. And I am so thankful for it. And he is my friend beyond anything else. But he is also a respected writer. And he is uh, the guy you have come to know and love. My dear friend, Mr. Ms. Fan, The Brain. Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Welcome to, to the 80s award show of WWF The Legacy Series. I just have to echo my wonderful co-host, who is absolutely my friend as well, and someone who has helped me through tough times and through uh, a lot of stuff as we continue this series. Uh, this series has um, put some positivity into my days dealing with work stress, with life stress, with house stress, all sorts of stuff going on in the world. Sometimes it's more than you can handle. Just keeps handing you things that are any one of them by itself would be enough to, to weigh you down to take you out of action and they just keep coming in 2020 but we do have this wonderful outlet and we do have some really wonderful listeners who have contributed a lot to this show that we're about to do so that's all i'm gonna say about that i have a feeling that we are gonna really go up to the limit time-wise today <laughs> but uh, i do just want to say thank you to you the mystic and to you the listeners for uh, this great series i have a great time doing and yes, there was a time I didn't know if we were going to be able to do it at all. And now here we are. And I'm, I couldn't be happier about it. Absolutely. So we asked a few questions, uh, general questions at the beginning that we'll kick off with. And then it will be award uh, nominees category style. So uh, three or four questions. And then we'll get into that. So many responses. So many things to say. Uh, Ms. Fans, right? There's no way to know how long this will go. So we'll get right into it. The very first question simply stated was, what surprised you in revisiting this era? So um, I will read off some some comments in a moment. Uh, let me ask you really quick, um, because we haven't had any conversation. Uh, how many uh, people did you get feedback from? I Let me look. I want to say five, I think I got back. So oh, dear God. Cool. Okay. So we are... <laughs> I did three. Um, Benjamin Button did not answer the questions, so it'll be two people uh, for the questions, and then it'll be three. So that means eight, nine. We got about ten people, so theoretically we could have some ties. We'll see what happens. Oh man, I okay, cannot so wait. Are, are you sure you want to do the questions first? I feel like they work as a nice kind of uh, denouement to all this. We could do the categories first, or whatever. You know what? We're going to make Ms. Fan happy today, and I will rearrange the notes. Find myself here. Give me a moment. If you can, if you can. No worries about that. It should be good. Let me. Okay. Lower. I feel like with some of mine, like the thoughts kind of emerged as I went through, and uh, there are like threads and so the things that some of the people said, and I, don't, I got some really good responses on this. So. All right, man. Uh, Here's what we'll do. We'll just flip the tables, man. Take the lead on the show and take us where you want to go. All right, all right. That works perfectly well for me. All right, so the ballot, uh, as it was sent out, we will go in order. We'll read some comments, and we'll discuss some thoughts. So first category, we get the envelope, so to speak. We have uh, most 
important wrestler of the era. So what what were you saying? You want to talk about the nominees first, the winner first, the comments first? How how do you want to? How do you envision this, my friend? Maybe just hit the nominees so everybody knows what we knew, and then All we right, can go okay. to. So this is the least uh, nominated category because I think there's only three guys who could have even been in the conversation here. We had uh, Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, and Randy Savage nominated for this category here. Uh, so let's see. Um, I'll just uh, get right to it. Um, I only got one person voted for here, and that was my vote as well. I think uh, regardless of how you feel about the guy, and there are lots of ways to feel about him, there's really only one person who could possibly win this award. It is Hulk Hogan, the unanimous winner on my side. This is a guy who just changed the game in wrestling and who just was unbelievably popular at his peak beyond perhaps what any wrestler has ever experienced. This is a guy who probably still, if you say pro wrestler to someone who doesn't know pro wrestling, they probably say, oh, like Hulk Hogan. So that should tell you for a minute just how big this guy is, synonymous with wrestling in some ways. Hulk Hogan, the unanimous choice. I got some comments I can read, but I want to cede the floor for a minute to find out if the other side agreed with me. Well, there is only one winner, and it should be unanimous. But first, we want to um, give our time to our prof, that dear man who decided to be a voice for someone other than Hulk Hogan. Uh, Andre the Giant was chosen by our prof. He says, On Andre the Giant, I would paraphrase the sentiment I posted earlier in the forums. Andre's presence is that factor that makes WWF a theater of the otherworldly. Because he is a giant, Andre creates the possibility that all the wrestlers on the roster may be who they say they are as well. Because Andre is for real, another wrestler might have the money to buy anything and anyone. Another wrestler might be a Roman god incarnate. And another wrestler might indeed be absolutely perfect. In everything he does, Andre provides legitimacy to the fantasy of the WWF. Mm. That's a nice little tribute there, our prop, and you know we love you, Mm. and it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be a voice, (laughs) you know, a a dissent. We always need dissent. Uh, The others were reluctantly choosing Hogan, as Ms. Fan said. If you got reasons not to want to choose him, obviously that's cool. But you know what? BK says, I hate myself for this. Uh, Benjamin Button says, as much as I'd love to say Andre, uh, he has to say Hulk Hogan. And I decided, being a contrarian myself as well, dear R. Prof, that I would just go full board the other way since, you know, I knew what kind of resistance there might be. So I said, I'd love to say Hulk Hogan because, by God, objectively, he earned this. I didn't think he would, nor did I think I'd be saying this. I wanted Savage to be the best. I wanted WrestleMania 4 to be the best pay-per-view. I wanted Andre to be the best. But all this comes down to Vince McMahon hopping on a plane to Minnesota and recruiting Hulk Hogan. Draw a box, any box. This is the frame in which everything that we talk about sits. 
Hulk Hogan. The training, the prayers, the vitamins, the celebrity, the Hulkamaniacs, the rhetoric, the body slam, the second jetpack, the Hulk up the finger wag, the four-year title run, the red, the yellow, the white, the blue. Like it, love it, lump it, ladies and gentlemen. It all comes down to, in this era, the frame that is the frame is a handlebar mustache and a bald head. It is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, that's a great way to put it. Um, yeah, this week, man, um, the, the category is most important wrestler of the era, so I didn't really consider him, but uh, most important person of the era You'd be hard-pressed not to uh, put Vince McMahon in the conversation. So that that's a great name to mention as well. Um, I will say in defense of uh, uh, our prize choice, Andre the Giant, I did pick him as my number two choice, and I think he's the only guy besides Hulk Hogan that you could say if Andre wasn't there, it could not have worked the same. And I don't think you could even say that about Randy Savage. I love Randy Savage. I'm going to say a lot of positive stuff about him, but I think... You know, there's a blip in the world and Randy Savage never existed. I think they can go on pretty much just the same as they did. But without Andre, no, you things will change. It's got to be different. You can't have WrestleMania 3. You can't have the peak of the era. So Andre, very important as well. Strong number two in my book. I agree. All, every listener just about to said Andre is too savage as a distant third. And you got to understand the people having these conversations love Randy Savage. Like I came back to do the series for Randy Savage. So I appreciate the objectivity. And I also understand as well as you all, if you listen to the show, you know how important Andre is. He is the rock to Hogan's Austin. In my opinion, he is just, well, I'll be quiet because I'm sure he's going to come up several times, but this is not a dismissal of Andre the giant in any way. Uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, for Hogan, I'll read a couple of the comments I got here from uh, Amy Stewart. She said, the decade was built around him, and from wrestler interviews to fan reactions, when Hogan was on the card, other wrestlers knew it was going to be a good payday, which is a great way to put it. I'm pretty sure people jockeyed to get on the shame house show loop as Hulk Hogan. Because uh, like I've said before, this is a guy that they would literally send in to knock over towns and territories and just convert them for all time to become WWF towns instead of whatever territory they used to belong to. So that's uh, that's something very telling right there. We've also got uh, Brooklyn, who was able to respond to this by being yes. a little behind on the show, but an expert on the era from his own uh, childhood and experiences and re-watching. And we love Brooklyn. Glad he was able to uh, make some comments here. Uh, he voted for Hogan, said despite his major shortcomings... Hogan was incredibly important to the business of the era. Uh, he's the guy who ushered me into wrestling during this time period. I don't think the business would have reached the same heights without him. And I will say, I definitely don't think the business would have reached the same heights without him. It's an amazing thing. and It needs to be acknowledged because I will say for my own personal fandom, and this is not even talking about real life shortcomings. I'm talking about as a persona on TV, mm. like, Hulk Hogan did more to keep me from watching the 80s era than to invite me to watch it. Like, I wanted no part of him. I wanted, can I, can I get through Hulk Hogan to enjoy Randy Savage to try to restore that legacy that just disappeared because of stupid, stupid things to come, you know, so that we're sitting here talking about this and this won't be the last time I talk about, <clears throat> I talk about Hulk Hogan. So it's just, 
it needs to be clear um, what he brought. Even if you hated Hulk Hogan in the 80s, I bet you're, this is what you sounded like. Man, I hate that guy. God, I hope I'm on his show. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think everybody probably wanted to work with Hogan regardless of what they thought of him just because, man, there's so much money to be made right there. Even as he's slipping in the 1990s, uh, people are going to want to be on his shows when the world champion is on the other show. So just kind of just some, something to keep in mind. Uh, I think Hulk Hogan definitely deserves that. And shout out to our prof. Like I, I would be if I was a listener, I'd probably be the one throwing in the the other vote. So you know. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, so uh, I think that pretty much takes care of one of our easiest categories. We'll move right along. Uh, second category on the ballot: favorite in ring wrestler slash worker of the era. So that's uh, something a little different from something Hulk Hogan might win. Although, well, you know, we, we may talk about him a little bit as well. But uh, as far as the votes go, this is another one that uh, ended up more or less unanimous. Some people wanted to kind of put more than one vote in, which is fine. But everybody put Randy Savage on the board. And that's myself as well as I broke down all the matches that I remember us watching. One name comes up at the top. He had the skill, he had the opportunity, he had the right opponents, he had everything that you could ask for, plus that space element that brings intensity and otherworldliness beyond what we can even articulate. It is Randy Savage, pretty much across the board over here, number one, Randy Savage, favorite in-ring wrestler of the era. Nice. So we got a tie over here, so it looks like that tie will be broken by Miz fans group. Um, for me, our prof went with the Macho Man Randy Savage. I went with the Macho Man Randy Savage, but BK and Benjamin Button went with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Uh, BK says, anytime I can pick Steamboat for his in-ring work, I will. I think Martel and Savage are 2A and 2B. Uh, Benjamin Button says this was very difficult. I think it came down to DiBiase or Steamboat. Valentine and Santana did have some good stuff as well, but in my opinion, Steamboat is in a category with few people. I was surprised. Uh, I don't know what I thought. I didn't think it was going to be a savage, unanimous uh, pick like it almost was, but I was surprised to see like a tie with Ricky Steamboat here. Me too as well. I, I can certainly see it. Um, as with a lot of these awards, there's two ways to look at it, um, and that's reflected in some of the kind of honorable mention comments that people are going to talk about here. Um, I actually realized that there, there is one vote that made it not unanimous on my side, and I'll talk about that in a little bit here. Okay. But you can look at kind of body of work, or you can look at maybe just like who was the best on any given night. And if you want to look at it the second way, you sure could say Ricky Steamboat on any day of the week, because this guy is just amazing. He did not get the same opportunities that Randy Savage did. He did not have uh, the same length of time to work his craft in the WWF due to some ridiculous bullshit that I'm sure we will touch on later here. But, man, um, whoever it was that said any chance to vote Ricky Steamboat, you know, I feel that very much so. What a wonderful wrestler. Absolutely. Uh, BK said that's a shout-out to him. And I definitely I can understand uh, Steamboat's wrestling ability. So, you know... I'm not shocked by that. I will just really quick give my Randy Savage answer, and then you can jump into what you want to do over there. I said, this one is a bit of a shocker for me. 
Going in, I thought Savage would be the sleeper character who eclipsed Hogan, Andre, Heenan, and came out the character of characters of this era. And yes, he is a character. He could stand tall in any era. Savage versus Pentagon, anyone. (laughs) But if anything happened for me, his character dropped a notch or two and his in-ring work rose at least as much. As much as any gimmick or catchphrase, it is his ability to move in the ring, to be in three places at once, to tell a story that first captured my attention this time around. Before an attempt at the WWF title, he made the IC title great. He was as good as Steamboat in their match, but he has a thousand times the character. So far, Peak Savage for me may well be prior to winning the WWF title, even if his best feud may have been after. Mm, yeah, and that's uh, that's honestly a great way to look at it. That is often how these things happen. I think you often have to do your best work just to get to the table, and then you've done it already, which is uh, just the way life goes sometimes. But yeah, no, I mean, uh, I I've talked about it before on this show, and we'll see if it continues to end up true. But as much as I love all the various eras of Randy Savage, um. That 86-87 period where it seemed like his skin could not contain the entirety of Randy Savage, where where the physical plane couldn't pin him down to one place. I don't know if we'll ever see anything quite like that in all of wrestling and maybe in all of life. That's just um, an incredibly special time. That's to say nothing against uh, the stuff that happens later. As you said, the, the feuds make it better. Maybe even the matches will be better in terms of work rate or, or whatever you would like to qualify that as. But that's a very special period to me. I, I haven't seen anything quite like it. Yeah, man. Uh, and it's not one I do as well, Major. It jumps out more for that. So I don't expect him to ever have to go back to that kind of work rate because, like you said, he has arrived. But, man, I am not seeding. Because the next time we do the awards will be the end of 94. I'm not seeding everything to 93 and 94 just because it'll be the most recent. I expect big, big things out of the Macho Man Randy Savage in our next section of time. So game on, Randy Savage. Mm, Yeah, I think the only thing in his way will be the amount of time he is asked to spend on the shelf for whatever Mm. reason. Because he will be retired in 1991. He will come back, and then without even the, the decency of someone retiring him again, he will go back to the booth, uh, and eventually, of course, will leave the company. So, so yeah, there will be a lot to say about that, I am sure. All right. Uh, I did say, I forgot almost, that we have one vote that was not for Randy Savage on my side, and uh, I think it goes more to that Ricky Steamboat side, where, where you look at who's best on any given night. Uh, Amy Stewart... Voted for Mr. Perfect. Mentioned uh, hated the guy as a kid because he was a bad guy with Heenan as a manager. But as an adult, I respect so much what he brought to the table. His bumping is unmatched. And I got to say, if I was just picking, you know, of the names and not not thinking about the body of work, I'm just thinking about who do I enjoy watching the most in any time or place. Mr. Perfect would be very damn near the top of the list. I think he will shine more. Um, he's really just started to shine in uh, 1989, and he will have some wonderful, wonderful times in 1990 and 91, and uh, even in 93. Absolutely. Shout out to Amy. This is why we asked for listeners, because 
there's going to be for some of them the obvious answer, but then you want to get that uh, view that is looking a little bit left or a little bit right. And Mr. Perfect is that he is geared up right now with Bret Hart. They are on the cusp of emerging. Uh, Mr. Perfect was easy to hate. I don't even know if I hated him like, oh, my guy's a heel or he just irritated me and I wanted him off my TV as a kid. But like he has that personality uh, and it comes into his action as well. I will have a lot to say in future years about Perfect because the more I listen to people, he inspired and helped a lot of wrestlers who come after him as well. Oh, yeah. He was a special talent. You hear about him a lot. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to more Mr. Perfect talk. I'm a huge Kirk Hennig fan, so that's some very good stuff there. Uh, some honorable mentions that were brought up in uh, a lot of the comments. The Rockers came up more than once, which I nice. think is a very fair shout. Um, Rick Martel came up. He was on my short list for sure, as was Tito Santana. Uh, easy top five contenders. Uh, Ryan Evans gave a shout-out to Owen Hart, which uh, I think is great as well, yeah. and that's something we will definitely hear more about as we go forward. Yes. Uh, my my number two contender, I think, probably was the Brain Busters. I thought they might overtake Randy Savage as I kind of broke down the matches. They didn't quite make it, but, man, with a little more time, you know, they were only there for one year, and they almost eclipsed what anyone else did, so i got to give a lot of credit to them as well. I thought I wanted to say two things, and now three things, because that's an awesome point. And I had a moment where I thought, my God, we're being dismissive of the Brain Busters, because everywhere else we are going to praise them as the greatest thing to ever happen in the universe. Mm. But because they're a tag team, they're not going to get any nominations for uh, best in-ring work, which is what we're actually praising them for. So I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. I also laughed when I saw Terry Funk, because I was like, my God, was Terry Funk actually in the WWF? Okay, sure. Uh, and I just want to send... Major love to whoever uh, gave honorable mention to the Rockers. I don't think they des- they got the respect that they deserved as much as they should in this show so far. So whoever you are, God bless you. Thank you for shouting out uh, Shawn Michaels and his uh, little buddy, Mario Gennetti. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Very well said. Um, yeah, I just want to read down some of the other nominees because I think these people at least have their names uh, deserving to be mentioned mm. here. Um, Demolition, Bret Hart, Ted DiBiase, Paul Orndorff, Haku, Hercules. Uh, even though perhaps we thought they were a little overrated, the British Bulldogs, I think, deserve at least a mention. Uh, Coco Beware, Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown, uh, Harley Race, Adrian Adonis, Sensational Sherry for the time that she wrestled, Dusty Rhodes coming in at the end. Butch Reed, Jumping Bomb, Angels, Barry Windham for his short appearance, and yes, Terry Funk, who did not get to show out nearly all he had, but uh, has to be recognized as one of the best of all time, and just uh, is a weird feature of this era, but a very welcome one, so uh, all that, plus, you know, I, I gotta say as well, in terms of just matches that were entertaining, I, you know, it's not a work rate thing, but Andre the Giant and even Hulk Hogan, we're part yes. of so many fun matches in this era. Probably, uh, for Hogan, probably the most fun in-ring era that he ever had. Just a very different Hogan. Not lazy, much more creative. Uh, not in his patterns. Um, wearing the different colors, doing the different things. So I gotta give a shout-out, even to Hulk Hogan here. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Andre and Hogan both deserve that. When I put Worker to specifically, 
put us in a kind of state of mind, you know, that this is a different kind of award. This is the Steamboat Savage WrestleMania 3, not the Hogan Andre. But we know there's nuance. This is what the show is about. And Hulk Hogan and Andre, there are many ways to be a great worker, and you are an absolute idiot. If you would go to them, who would do it? If your money's on the line, you'd go to them and be like, you know what? Uh, yeah, the work rate in these matches, I'm like, you're, you're selling out too many arenas and too many fans are engaged. This is That's not working. So, yeah, shout out big time. Andre falling. You think it's easy to fall backward and wrap yourself in the ropes at seven foot four all the time? You know, but he does it. I love Andre. Hulk Hogan has fun stuff is the right thing. I think that's what endeared me to Hogan and Andre both in this era is that they had fun with it. Yeah, they really did. They made it fun, you know, so perhaps they are not uh, working a lot of moves per minute. Uh, God knows they aren't sometimes, but man, that's really not what it's all about. So don't let that be the only thing to decide how much you like a match. Uh, For God's sakes, that's just too narrow for me. Absolutely. Man, this is WWF, folks, and this is another, uh, we're, we're breaking down stereotypes because this is 80s wrestling, WWF, Vince McMahon Jr., but there's a lot of great uh, in-ring workers to talk about in this era. There really are, yeah. I think, um, and the farther down you dig, the more that becomes apparent. So uh, if if you have a mindset to appreciate this era, not everyone does, and that's fine. It's very, very different from uh, some of the stuff that came later that became popular. But if you have that mindset, uh, there's a ton of great stuff to revisit here. Yeah, get your mind right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my. All right. Um, Next category on the ballot, we have favorite promo person of the era, something just as important, if not more so, than the matches. Um, Over here, we had uh, a pretty good consensus, I think, on the winner. We had three votes for one person and then some scattered votes for some others. So the number one winner on my side is the person I voted for as well. It's a name that uh, will not shock anyone. I think we have Bobby Heenan up at number one over here. Um, but, uh, Twitter user by the name of SCJH. I wish there was a quick way I knew of to say that, and I don't. Uh, SCJH85 said, It's been over 10 years since I heard some of his calls, and they are still fresh as day. And I think uh, that is absolutely true. When I think about the great promos of Heenan, the ones that we covered, and even the ones that we didn't, um, back on TNT when that was a thing and hosting primetime wrestling and being on almost every show and jumping in and out of the booth at times to manage his men and just uh, all the great, great comments that he made over the course of this period. Man, I don't think anyone could touch him. He is number one in our book. So am I understanding you that Heenan won three and nobody else won more than one vote? You got it. So Bobby Heen is going to win uh, the award because I don't have anyone who has voted twice. All right. Wow. Okay. Tell me about it. Okay. So our prof went with Randy Savage. BK went with Roddy Piper. And Benjamin Button went with Jake the Snake Roberts. Wow. All right. That's so, cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, all of those were on my short list as well. So that's uh, very understandable. Any great comments from that batch that you want to read? Nobody left comments. Ah, well, that's all right. That's all right. Um, Randy Savage got one vote on my side as well from uh, Charlie Rose, who didn't make a lot of comments but gave me a lot of great votes on this. Um, Jake Roberts got a vote from Brooklyn, which I think is fair. And I think think maybe we have not even talked enough about the great promos of Jake Roberts. And I don't know if that's because a lot of them – 
are just on regular TV that we're not covering or what, but I know when I was watching Wrestling Challenge and they would do kind of like the short little promos with Okerlund or with, you know, just like the background, the green screen that they did, man, he was one always to like sit up and watch because he would pack something in that 30 seconds or however short it was that you would want to listen to. So he's one of those types. He is a great, great promo and one that is well worth paying more attention to, I think. He'll be big in the next uh, stretch, too, because, like, I started watching wrestling and the whole trust me thing, and, man, that that blew my mind as a child. Like, I didn't know what wrestling was, but I knew not to trust the man that was up there, like, whispering trust me with the mustache over his mouth and the snakes uh, in the room, <laughs> you know. So uh, he stands out big time for me in that era, so he very well will probably be in the conversation again uh, at the end of 94. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, Savage and Jay. Definitely the strong uh, kind of battling for number two here. Got a lot of comments, even from guys who uh, did not vote for him, guys and gals, I should say. Uh, yeah. The only other number one vote I got was uh, was a little surprising, but maybe it shouldn't have been. We did include him on the ballot, I think. Uh, Amy Stewart voted for Hulk Hogan, um, and she wrote, he was just so good at picking up the themes of the match or his opponent's gimmick and running a promo that complemented the match. Also, um, <laughs> she shared a story of a real-life confrontation she had with a guy who was threatening to beat her up, and in a Hulk Hogan voice, she yelled, What you gonna do, brother? <laughs> so Hogan promos, stay with you, is the message. I guess, uh, I don't know if that would solve a real-life confrontation, but man, if that's where your mind goes, then that says something, you know, for sure. Okay, I do not want to keep shouting out Amy, because I don't want to play favorites here, but my God. Number one, I love that story. Number two, I didn't really know who I wanted to go with. Like, Bobby Heenan, if this is, like, personality of the year, like, there's something to me he should have won. But I didn't see him, like, in promos often. Like, you know, he would come in with his group, and sometimes they all yell at the same time in the early era. You know, I see him winning. He's going to win three to two to two to two to one, you know, and definitely deserve. Roddy Piper got disqualified because the best of the best kind of got washed with the worst of the worst for me. Uh <laughs> You know, things like that. So I ended up saying I'm going to do a wild card and be the only one who votes for Hulk Hogan. Well, apparently I was wrong. And the reason I want to go with Hulk Hogan is two things. Number one, it cannot be understated how powerful his rhetoric is. Mm. This is the wild shocker of this era is that it's not always the posing or the jetpack and the hulking up. It is what he does. It is the story he paints. It is how he criminalizes the opponent. He gets in front of them. He wraps his rhetoric around them. He wraps his rhetoric around the audience. He wraps his rhetoric around the world. And if you don't believe how effective it is, watch the world title reign that we are about to move in in 1990. Hulk Hogan is not so superior in the ring to the Ultimate Warrior. He doesn't have a better body than the Ultimate Warrior. He doesn't even have a better entrance than the Ultimate Warrior. So how is it going to fail? And I'm going to go ahead and put one guess out there. It's the promo. It is the rhetoric. It is being able to create stories and worlds with your words. So I went with Hulk Hogan, a combination of that and when I watched WrestleMania 4, I was visiting my girlfriend and I told this story. She's sitting through match after match after match, promo after promo. And when the minute Hulk Hogan comes in and starts doing his promo, her eyes got bigger than her head. And she's like, who is that and what is he doing? Because he just came off the screen and he was believable. 
And she was hooked in that moment in ways that she was not for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, man, that's an incredible story. And it tells you the things that we focus on and not the things that others focus on. Mm-hmm. I remember that promo as the one where he said the world would crack open <laughs> and like all his fans would drown and he would swim back to shore with everyone on his back or something. And it was kind of like to me. I don't know if it's a point against him, but it's not what I would point to as like, mm-hmm. oh, he's the greatest promo of this era because it's 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 weird and silly and it has one of his um, things, which is all his fans tend to die when he's talking about them. Yeah. Um, and at least it wasn't full of puns, which is the other thing he does that kind of offends me at times. But I guess everyone does that in this era. But yeah, I mean, it just goes to show like this is a guy who does pop off the screen and that matters a lot. Yeah, and so that's a. I love that we came down to this. Bobby Heenan deserves an award. I'm glad he's got one. But when you got three people at number two, it just shows you we are spoiled beyond belief in the era that we're in, Miz fan. Yeah, we are. We are. I, we talked about how great this uh, this era actually is. Like it just comes off so well. It's really quite incredible. So I, I gotta give a lot of praise to that for sure. Whew. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't want to short Randy Savage here. He was, uh, number two for a lot of people and for me as well. He got some votes and I really love the promos of Randy Savage. I still remember the first time that I heard one and, uh, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. And, uh, to Roddy Piper as well, I want to say the best of the best man could stand up with anything. Yeah. Um, I think about the promos like with Adrian Adonis and then before he turned babyface. All that stuff, some incredibly good stuff. Uh, uh, jockeying with Rude and Heenan on primetime wrestling. Um, if he did not have that terrible, terrible WrestleMania interview, um, I think WrestleMania mm. five it was, he probably would have fared better, I think, in this list. I agree 100%. I don't know why I didn't go with Savage. I have no explanation for that. I love Savage, love his promos. Uh, so I have no idea. Uh, Roddy Piper was exactly that for me because at his best, he will stand as tall, if not taller than anyone else. But man, I don't know if anyone else got in the gutter quite like he did uh, with that promo. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I have bad dreams about that promo still and everyone involved. So for God's sake, keep it away. Um, yeah. Last shout out. I do want to mention Slick, who is definitely a contender here. He's in my top five. And uh, we've praised Slick before for his great promos, his way of, like, keying into certain things that you would not think of for expressing himself in unexpected ways and generally just for being incredibly underrated. So that's my last shout-out for this category here. Absolutely. So Bobby Heenan takes it, folks. So we got right now what we got, Hulk Hogan and Bobby Heenan. Yeah, that's um, Hogan, Savage, Heenan. That's a good way to, you know, that's the era (laughs) right there. A lot of it. Um, We will continue to see a lot of those names, uh, including in this next category on the belt, which is favorite manager, wrestler, combination. Um, There were four pairings that got votes here. The two that got uh, the most votes, I got two, two, one, and one. And the ones that got two votes were... Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant, which was my vote, and Sensational Sherry and Randy Savage. I will say, no votes for Miss Elizabeth and Randy Savage, <laughs> which uh, maybe, I don't know, they're such an iconic pair, yet uh, it's really stood out to me that Miss Elizabeth didn't do much more than stand there, so I don't know if that's more evidence of that or just the greatness of Sherry. 
But yeah, Sherry and Savage are up there with Heenan and Andre as the number one pick of the fans. Yeah, so this one is going to have itself a clear winner because unlike you, it's not complicated on this side. We have a unanimous four votes. Uh, They are all are for Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant. God, what a beautiful pairing. One that we will uh, talk about, I think, in more than one category. But yeah, like these two together, their relationship was unique. It was not like Heenan and his other clients. Andre did not act the same as other heels in general. Um, and just just the run up to WrestleMania three alone, man, that could go on the the trophy case, the Hall of Fame by itself. What a road to WrestleMania! What a series of of events. And uh, between Heenan and Andre, man, they made that work in such a beautiful way. Absolutely. I said these men are at the heart of the absence of babyface versus heel. With Hulk Hogan and Jesse Ventura, they are the portraits of narrative versus narrative. If you can build it, and Bobby Heenan put Lego block to Lego block when he injected himself into the relationship between Hogan and Andre. Was it a friendship with Hogan and Andre? Was it a mentor relationship? Who knows? Who cares? Because out of it, Heenan built a family, and Andre built the counter to everything that Hulk Hogan was. Yeah, yeah, he did. And he often did that by being, uh, in his own way, more honorable than Hogan himself. Mm-hmm. So it's not black and white. As you have said many times, it is narrative versus narrative, and it's not as clean as you think it is. Oh, man, I love this. I love that. Now we got Hogan on the board, Savage on the board, Heenan on the board, Andre on the board. Yeah, yeah, the the, the Giants, you know, the Mount Rushmore, perhaps, yeah. of this era. Hard to think of uh, who else deserves to be up there, for sure. Um, I got to give a lot of love to our second-place pairing, which really came along just at the very end, and yet still nabbed uh, some considerable votes here. Sherry and Savage, man, what what a pairing this is as well. The aesthetic that they will achieve has already been incredible and will just uh, continue to be so. The chemistry they have is really off the charts, and uh, I can't wait to see more of this pairing. It's going to be one of the most exciting parts, I think, of the next kind of year and a half years. We come up to WrestleMania 7. Yeah, they are the great Disney villains that have emerged uh, doing doing their dark magic in the back. Uh, so shout out to people recognizing them. I say for my runner-up, I had Slick and the Big Boss Man. I just love that pairing. That's a great shout. Uh, did not get any votes on my end, but I definitely had it on my short list uh, within the top five easily. Just the, the pairing of them, the aesthetic of them, um, the way they approached everything they did. Just, yeah, like it's definitely the height of what Slick did. And while Big Boss Man will have many heights, like that's still a lot to say, and it's a, it's a great pairing. And there's a reason that these two drew so well with Hulk Hogan all around the country. Yeah, man. It's, it's an amazing pairing. Uh, recent promos, even though it was towards the end, just brought it out more. Uh, is that, I don't know. I, I think about the word slick, and sometimes it's just like a, an insult of a heel. But he's also like this kind of like slick guy in his motions. Like these managers have to be able to maneuver. They have to negotiate, run, hide, slide. Well, you know what? Big Boss Man mirrors all that. Like he is quick and he slides under the ropes and he is all over the place and he he plays uh, fast and loose with the rules a little bit. I just like them a lot. They make me happy when they're on my TV, as good heels often do for me. Absolutely so. (laughs) And uh, I'll say for Slick, someone pointed out, I think after our last show, 
Um, not in a bad way, but just, just kind of a reality. It's, it's like they really tried to make him nothing more than a stereotype from the way he looks and acts and speaks, all this stuff. Could have just been kind of just a caricature. And, you know, he kind of was in so far as a lot of people were in this era. But, man, talk about making the most of what they hand you. I really can't. I don't know if Slick will pick up any awards, but he will get a lot of mentions. And I think uh, he deserves to really be up there close to the top because everything he did just elevated the stuff around him. And that, man, when you could do that, you are a special type of person for sure. Yeah, he did a great job. And, you know, I think all the heel managers in a way are, if you wanted to reduce them to just WWF booking, you know, I remember watching a cartoon version of Charlotte's Web um, as a kid, and there was uh, Templeton, who was the rat, who was in, and just stealing everything and yes. like tricking everybody. And you know, that's why that's why all of them. But man, this is the thing you got to remember when you're like, I like WWF booking; it's the best thing ever, or I hate it. You know what? Here it was. You know, the gimmick was maybe ten to twenty percent, and these people were so good. I say about eighty percent of what keeps me watching are the human beings playing the characters and playing them so damn well. Mm, absolutely so. Very well said. And huge pop for the Templeton shout-out. I had a yeah. strong memory of that for some <laughs> reason. I got a nostalgia pop off of that. So, uh, wow. All right. Um, other vote-getters for the number one spot. Um, we had uh, Bobby Heenan and the Brain Busters got one vote, and that is very fair. They're on my short list as well. Uh, that is Amy Stewart, our dear friend, who said the thinking manager with wrestlers who took mm. the tag division to a new level of perfection. They were the definition of tag team wrestling, and that is great. And she even mentioned for a couple of years, they were only there for one year, and I think that shows you like the, the scope of how they expanded across the time, the short time that they were there, and just felt so central and so... Um, essential to the division. I love the Brain Busters. I love they got a vote here. Yeah, and trust me, they will get their love. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They will for sure. Uh, the only other number one vote was one that I did not expect, but uh, SCJH85 voted for Rick Root and Bobby Heenan, and solely for the reason that they beat the Ultimate Warrior. Um, hey. So that's <laughs> that's a good reason. Uh, he and I were talking about how Ultimate Warrior, I think, never did a clean job on TV uh, for his entire career, which is crazy to think about. He's got to be on the short list of guys who never did, so that, that may tell you something. He also gave me a very satisfying clip of, I think, a show uh, in Europe where, Ultimate, where uh, Andre the Giant just sat on him and actually pinned him, so that, <laughs> that'll tell you something right there as well. I love that creative response, and I would just say if if they had defeated him and that defeat had knocked him off his path to the world title, then I would jump on. I would throw dear Bobby Heenan and Andre overboard uh, and give them the award, too, but they didn't quite stop what is to come when we come back in two weeks in the 1990s. Indeed. Later on, towards the end of the show, someone will have a an all-time great comment about uh, the Ultimate Warrior being thrown off his push, so I want to yes. give a little teaser there. Um, I say, yeah, part of the reason I want to end with those comments is some of them are so friggin' wonderful that I think they deserve to be, like, the main event of our show, so we will we will talk a lot about that. Um, there is a strong swell, now that you say that, and yeah. theme in this episode to come of 
a lot of us want the Ultimate Warriors title reign not to happen. <laughs> yes, I also have that, but also some surprising comments, maybe uh, more positive to Ultimate Warriors. So, okay, cool, good, so yeah, good. We will have some stuff there. Uh, last shout-out I want to make quickly in this category, and there's a reason I think people didn't vote for it. I wish we could have covered it a little more thoroughly in the early days of the series. Bobby Heenan and Paul Orndorff yes. across both of their runs. I think are just an incredibly great pairing. I love um, Orndorff firing Heenan on the set of Tuesday Night Titans and the, the ensuing promo that Heenan makes that I think we did not get to cover, which I regret very much now. I wish we had included it as bonus footage. Uh, the way they will reunite and the way they will have one of the most successful feuds of all time with Hulk Hogan absolutely deserves conversation here. Yeah, I want to go ahead and apologize to Paul Orndorff because... I do think that we did the best we could, and I love that we're doing this show, but mm-hmm. we did take that long break in between the series, and I do think some of the earlier stuff got hit a little bit because it's so far back now. Uh-huh. And we were once upon a time watching that feud and that cage match with Paul Ondorf. Mm-hmm. That was better than half the WrestleMania main events that we've had. Uh, Paul Ondorf was on fire. The storyline was popping. Bobby Heenan was thriving. Hulk Hogan was thriving. Big Blue Cage was thriving. Uh, so let's 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 not forget the foundation that we're standing on right now. Absolutely, just uh, incredible stuff. I'll never forget the big event, the the event that drew mm. almost as much as WrestleMania three, and just the sea of people who came to watch Hogan and Orndorff. And man, that match is vicious. I still remember they got like the little stool from ringside, battering each other in the head. Bobby mm. Heenan involved, just incredible battle. Some of the best. Hulk Hogan matches, definitely, that I have ever seen. Yeah, it was the matches, and it was just an aliveness to it. You believe the feud. Paul Wendorf is just the kind of guy that will often slide in in that Randy Savage role of all next best thing, 1B, and you can see in this guy that he will not want to settle there. And so in a lot of ways, they were even Hogan, they were Hogan and Savage before Hogan and Savage. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's where they they made the template of the the Hulk Hogan betrayal that, uh, you know, with Andre and with Savage, they would use to even greater effect. And those three feuds are probably uh, the most successful ones Hogan had in this whole era, maybe ever. So that that'll tell you something right there. Orndorff deserves to be up there. I just love that story, too, because it involved so much stuff. Hogan not coming to the phone. You know, because he was working out, <laughs> and this elaborate thing with Bobby Heenan and, and Adrian Adonis and Jimmy Hart and Kid Kong Bundy and Big John Studd and all these people involved. It was like, it was quite a production, and it was just great stuff. One of my favorite things. So glad we could shout it out a moment here. Absolutely. If you want to talk tears, that is on that top tier level with uh, Bruce Beefcake becoming the butcher being on a different tier. Mm hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my. Um, All right. Next on the ballot, moving on, we have favorite world title run of the era. Uh, This was a complete blowout. Six votes to nothing to nothing. There's only three contenders here, but uh, nobody really even considered voting for anything other than Hulk Hogan's first title run. As much as I love Randy Savage, I think if you've been listening to the show, you know that that feud, uh, that, that title run did not sadly live up to our expectations. I don't see how you can vote anything else here, because that run, um, 
change the game in a way that uh, nobody, I think, could have possibly matched. And it was actually incredibly entertaining as well. Absolutely. Uh, it is unanimous over here as well, which means this is a 10-0 uh, award. Hulk Hogan's first title reign, and I said simply, it speaks for itself. Hogan was better earlier. WWF was better earlier. Yeah, it was. It was. I think we talked uh, at the time about the raw energy of this uncontrolled thing, which was just growing and growing, and no one could tell when it was going to stop. And the way it grew and the way it was still the Wild West and things were less controlled, less produced, and uh, it was this beautiful mix, I think, of kind of like the old days, like the territory days, like we don't know what we're going to be exactly, and yet having that shine of later eras of, well, we're going to tell these stories, we're going to have some of these gimmicks, we're going to be larger than life, that phrase that we've used a lot of times, like up to up to WrestleMania 3 at least, and probably beyond that, but that's as good a point as any to kind of pinpoint, man, there's, there's just some crazy stuff in that era that I think uh, you would not get in later years. Yeah, it is, for my fandom, it's damn near perfect because, yes, there's a little bit of go out there and do this. There's got to be a structure. There's got to be direction. But so much of it is the wild, wild west with people who can jump in moment and tell a story. It felt chaotic. It felt I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Uh, kind of like Lucha Underground at times. I think this is the one of the elements that I compare is that there was this ingredient uh the fact that they were actually, you know, underground, that there was a lawlessness about it, that there was something, this superhero stuff about it. Like people could pull from places like Savage and Sherry are trying to do it in this era. But you got to be very explicit. Like you got to give them a cauldron. You got to make sure they know <laughs> back in the beginning of this time, everybody had a cauldron and it was inside of them. And they all could pull from stuff that could blow your mind. It could be otherworldly. It was a very special time. It's not going to happen often in wrestling. It just can't. And we really got to appreciate it for what it was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll just stress again, I've said it many times, man, the WWF, they really earned everything they got in those years. Um, there yeah. was a freshness to them. There was a hungriness to them as they clawed their way to be on top of the world. And, you know, they were cutthroat at times in the things, the, the ways that they did it. But my guy, like, they wanted it more than anything, and they got it, so I got to give some credit there. Absolutely. Um, that's, that blows my mind. It doesn't because there's only one person you can pick uh, for this one, but it still blows my mind that we got a 10-0 consensus on anything. Yeah, and for Hulk Hogan, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> if nothing Hogan. else, so that's, that's wild. Uh, one comment I want to read in particular from Amy Stewart, who, yes, was very much an MVP of uh, the comments section. Uh, she wrote, the drawing power of the era, the best ratings for Saturday Night's main event, and the fresh matches that lasted a year in the build-up and execution of the story. Macho Man was just picking up sloppy seconds in his reign and cleaning up Hogan's mess, and Hogan's second mm -hmm. reign was just holding the title for advertisement for No Holds Barred. And I think that is a very apt criticism of Hogan's second reign which has been far below the first so far in our watching. That's some rugged truth-telling in, in that commentary. <laughs> Man, I love it. Yep. I'm also wondering, is there any chance we're going to see back-to-back -back unanimous or no? Ooh, nope, we won't, because I got okay. some other votes in the next okay. one. Um, 
We'll move on to, uh, yeah, next category on the ballot. Favorite intercontinental title run from the era. Um, we do have a clear winner. It is not unanimous, but uh, it is the one that I definitely picked, and three others picked as well. Randy Savage, his intercontinental title run um, from uh, from early 1986 all the way to WrestleMania three, of course, got the number one spot. I think you can make a very strong case for Randy Savage being the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And mm. uh, actually, um, uh, my man Type on Twitter has been doing kind of a little voting tournament of his own, and it looks like it may end up being Randy Savage there as well for number one intercontinental champion ever. The matches this guy was having, the stories he was having with Tito Santana, with George Animal Steel, and of course, that amazing story with Ricky Steamboat, um, the, just the quality of the reign, the way he rode that title to mega stardom, to being just uh, a guy that they said, hey, we're going to make this guy a world champion, like more than a year before, I think, almost, they thought of this, uh, certainly well in advance, they knew they had to do it, in an era where almost nobody got to be world champion, like, to me, it's Randy Savage, and that that was very clear to me. Yeah, Um Mine, this was unanimous on this side, uh, four votes, all Randy Savage. Uh, for me, I have to say that this was to the Intercontinental title what we just, Hulk Hogan's first title reign was to the world title. Mm-hmm. Randy Savage knocked over every stereotype about this era. He was as good as any NWA wrestler uh, at that time and in history as he was doing what he did. This was a man who was... If you just think, oh, well, the WWF era was X, Y, and Z, you're not watching Randy Savage as he was the rest of the alphabet if you needed it. Randy Savage was breaking ground. He was coming out as a threat. I think Miz fans said it best, so I'll leave it there. He was doing work that elevated him to the world title when nobody got close to the world title. Um, when we did WCW The Legacy Series, my biggest regret is that we did not cover uh, the early stuff more closely, and I think that will end up being my biggest regret here as well, because only recently we have really started doing bonus footage in earnest, and if we had started doing it early, I absolutely would have included a lot more of Randy Savage versus Tito Santana. Uh, people always think of Savage and Steamboat, and with good reason, but man, I would say Savage and Tito is on that same level. So you think about that level and just how incredible some of these matches were that we could have covered and we didn't have the chance to. So that that is something I regret, but it's something I am able to shout out right now because there is just incredible stuff unbelievably in this reign. Oh, man. Tito should be on every underrated and underutilized list that ever exists in the history of professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh we have given so much credit to the model and he deserves every bit of it. But I think sometimes we have not given enough to uh, his counterpart. I think either one of them could have been shot off and uh, broke amazing ground, but you know, didn't exactly come to be, but thinking about Tito Savage matchup, uh, that's a very pleasing. I also want to shout out um, my favorite wrestler who was dominating the United States title in the late 80s, uh, Lex Luger. I just had a thought because Luger and Savage wrestled quite a few times towards the WCW days later in their career. I enjoyed the matches. They were nothing, you know, to break ground over, but 
I really like the pairing of heel Lex Luger, U.S. champion in 89 with this Randy Savage heel in 87. If those two could have got together, I could have enjoyed them together. Oh, man. Yeah, they could have uh, They could have gotten up to some incredible mischief right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then they would have lost a handicap match to Hulk Hogan. But before that happened, they would have made a lot of noise. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Well, that's the fate of this era, so, um, you know, it is what it is. This is uh, the era, no, the Honky Tonk Man's era, officially speaking, so I'm glad we're doing the series. <laughs> well, to that point, I gotta say, I was surprised that Honky Tonk Man actually got one vote here, um, and it's from, uh, our beloved Amy Stewart, who, uh, I think some people voted very much on like the rewatch and some people a lot of people watch this when they were kids as well so i think some people kind of put in their vote from that time from what they thought you know when they first watched it she wrote that um honky tonk's man uh honky tonk man's run was just so flashy with the please someone beat that guy attitude the whole way so um we we do not like honky tonk man we we have not been a fan but the thing we did credit to him for is that, yes, he was able to draw on house shows. He was able to create attention because it really felt like he was one day away from being beaten at any given moment. So uh, that's, uh, I guess, some credit to the Honky Tonk Man here. Yeah, I, I got two hands, uh, which is fairly normative, and I'm going to use both of them. On the one hand, we have people... Uh, weighing in because we want difference of opinion and i am so glad even in this case we are getting it on the other hand no no not honky tonk man <laughs> if you want to see great uh escape with the belt watch the tv title division with its 10 minute time limit it's over the top road rule uh i i think honky tonk man deserves a shout out like an honorable mention for something because he was a longest intercontinental uh champion he was flashy he was a big part of this era but 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 no, uh, this is the second one that well, I appreciate it being there, but I'm just just a, just a no on it. Well, if that was a no from you, then uh, you will have a bigger no in a second, because <laughs> the other vote um, came from Brooklyn and it is for the Ultimate Warriors first reign. And uh, he left no comments, unfortunately. So I can only assume this is something uh, that comes from. You know, you watch it at the time, and you have a certain kind of feeling. I'll say everyone who does take the time to say something good about the Ultimate Warrior, it's pretty much always couched in those terms of, like, when I was a kid, I liked it. So, you know, if that's where you're coming from, uh, it is what it is. But, yeah, on the rewatch, not a fun reign for me. That is a no also for me. No, that's the smartest thing. Like, if you're going to vote Ultimate Warrior, you will do it with no comment, I think, because that is the safest bet for your argument. Ten times over, I'd take Honky Tonk Man on this list over Ultimate Warrior. So, uh, unless if, if he broke it down like this, like, oh, guys, you didn't realize uh, in the IC title raid, he ran to the ring in 3.2 seconds, but in the world title, it was 4.1, so he slowed, and that curve around the ring was not as good. Then I might be like, all right, I definitely didn't catch that. But other than his running to the ring, I would I would like to inquire. You are saying that the Ultimate Warriors IC title reign was better than Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude and even the Honky Tonk Man who had the longest reign. God, I respect you for that no comment, sir. <laughs> it's very appropriate. His Ultimate Warrior lives his life with no comments. Yes. Um, no discernible comment that we can make out. So, 
I love these uh these these uh, wild votes though. It's, it's an amazing <laughs> thing to witness. There are some surprising ones. That's not the last time someone will will put a positive vote in for Warrior. I think so. You know, okay. it, we'll see if any comments come on later in the show or not. I want to hear those more than almost anything because we are trying like hell. He's the only person maybe in the history of the series to be as successful as he is. And so far, I got, we got, we, we praised him doing the military press and that's nothing else after that. <laughs> well, Brooklyn, if you uh, make it up to the show in time and you want to add some comments, please let me know. You know, my DMS are open anytime. We love to hear from you. So, Whew, all right. Uh, I, I don't even have any other shout outs. It's, it's just savage. Um, yeah. so, uh, next, uh, ballot on the era. Or uh, next uh, category on the ballot. I don't know what I'm saying here. Um, favorite tag team of the era. There we go. Uh, it's another one where we had a number of different votes. We did have a strong consensus. Three votes for the uh, team that I picked. And a lot of honorable mentions as well. It is the Brain Busters for me. All day, all night. Brain Busters, maybe the best tag team of all time in my eyes. So uh, very easy for me to make that vote here. Absolutely. It is unanimous on this end. Four votes uh, for the Brain Busters. I will say that I wrote down, I, I we have to have to shout out Demolition mm-hmm. and the Strike Force. Yep. Um, Demolition deserves an award, objectively dominant. Um, and they put their fingerprint on the error officially. But what the Brain Busters did defies booking. They did not change their look. Fuck that. They did not change their smell. They came in with the smell of the NWA on them, and they dominated the tag division in the one way that the NWA might have sometimes dominated WWF through wrestling. The tag matches, the Survivor Series, the Spine Busters, and by God, somehow they got away with it. Yeah, we've talked about it many times. Just the fact that they were able to come in, not get a a stupid gimmick, not really change anything about them, not their wrestling style, not their promo style. Well, what little they got of it, so that's one small change. They would have gotten to talk a lot more, I think, in the NWA. But even so, like, the comments they made were great. Um, Yeah, they just remained themselves in an era where it was kind of illegal to be so. Um, you know, they didn't get their names replaced with the something uh, individually. You know, they, they really got to just be Arn and Tully. And that's uh, something very special in and of itself. And then you put all the great work they did on top of that. And that's really incredible. Yeah. I imagine a world where there's uh, not really a big Josh. And uh, Arn Anderson comes in the mid-90s and he can be the lumberjack. And uh, Barry Windham can be the stalker, and they can meet in the woods one day and become a tag team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And somehow, that. you know, they were the brain busters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. They were very lucky. Um, incredibly so, not to get, like, I don't know what happened. Like, Mr. McMahon forgot about them or something, I swear. But I'm just yeah. glad that it did happen that way. For how much I love their matches, I am honestly more impressed that they not only had a successful run, run and won the belts, but did it somehow. He was on commentary sometimes. I feel like he never knew they were there somehow, but I know that's also not true. <laughs> yeah, no, you are right. Um, 
Amy Stewart writes, uh, I vote for the Brain Busters. They were the bad guys. I was a kid, so I had to boo them, but just to see them at their peak it made me wish I cared uh, about watching the revival now. I think Amy Stewart not so much into modern wrestling, which is fine, but yes, the revival now, FDR and AEW, very much the same energy. So if you have the uh, capacity to pick and choose, definitely check out some of those matches. I'm a big uh, FDR and AEW fan. Um, she also mentioned that as a kid, she would vote for Demolition because they were uh, big, strong, and tough and almost unbeatable. And yeah, uh, SCJ also voted for Demolition, calling them the total package. So I think a, uh, a strong contender as well. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned them too because they really do deserve it. Yeah, they do, Demolition deserves an award. Uh, no doubt about that. Uh, they, they did... Like gimmick wise, they did with the tag division what Honky Tonk Man supposedly like. If he was like, oh, longest Intercontinental Champion, and he legit was associated with that belt for years, sure. like they were that to the tag team division. Um, Strike Force was the surprise to me because we have this stupid belief that everything that is new is progress. Like every year is better than the year before, and to me, Strike Force came earlier than many many teams, and they were better than most of those teams in every single way. Oh, absolutely. I would put Strike Force up, uh, against just about any team that you could name. Um, sadly, they did not get any number one votes, but uh, they were my number two vote very strongly. And uh, I think they got some comments positively as well. Um, nothing to flesh out too much. But yeah, all that you said and more, just two supremely talented and often underrated, underutilized guys just forming this absolutely brilliant team. And it uh, really makes me wonder, uh, Rick Martell had to take some time off and it kind of split up the team. He came back and then they, they split up for good very quickly. But, man, if he's able to stick around, what does that look like, you know, for the tag division? They could have been tag champions for a long time. The wars with Demolition, all the different matches they could have had, just, you know, if only. But, um, yeah, Strike Force, absolutely wonderful team. Yeah, Absolutely. And shout out to the folks who cannot enjoy current pro wrestling because I am also on that list. And I have just the other day I was thinking, man, I wish I could like uh, the revival because uh, what an opportunity that would be. And I, I do love that they're paying homage to the people that deserve it. I don't think I clicked on it, but I might have saw Arn Anderson answering a question on his podcast about how the Brain Busters would defeat uh, the uh, FTR or whatever they're called. <laughs> Uh, well, I think it would be um, by being everything FTR is and a little bit more, you know. So <laughs> I love that that they're strategizing that. <laughs> that they're that still they're cool. still whispering comments to each other behind Andre's back. You know, the spirit of that is alive. I think so. Man, I wouldn't put like Tully. Tully did a, a spike pile driver on the last episode, and he looked young enough to get in the ring again. You know, for a second. So don't count anything out. I guess. Um, <laughs> Or maybe do, but even so, yeah. it's nice for. I was about to say, I don't even watch AEW, but I've seen Arn Anderson, and I think you know, <laughs> let him strategize uh, on the podcast. I think. Man, I I don't know if you can get at that spine buster. Um, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe not. So. I wonder if they would have been the spine busters if they if on if that move had a name. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> it's possible. I, think, I love uh, that the, he did the entire era in the WWF, and they're like. Ah, oh, that move, that uh, that power slam like move. <laughs> God, give it a name for God's uh, sake. Yeah, bro. Yeah. It's weird. Sometimes stuff is so tightly controlled in this era, and sometimes it just completely goes like 
maybe maybe the commentator won't know which guy is which in a tag team if it's the Rockers, the Rougeos, or something. So yeah. God knows what happens. Like in between, uh, you know, lines of cocaine, they just you see where you <laughs> catch them, I guess. So you know, it is amazing. Vince is the most controlling person on the planet, and yet. Announcers didn't even have to know the names of the wrestlers in tag matches for half this era. <laughs> oh my gosh. Good stuff. Uh, other number one votes. We had one from Ryan Evans for the Rockers, which I think uh, is very fair. I think we're breaking down the, the matches we've seen. The Rockers actually scored very highly for me. And that, you know, that, that almost surprised me a little because I almost wanted to push back against the narrative of the Rockers a little, because there's this thing of, like, oh, they invented being fast in tag team matches. It's not true, because we talk about Strike Force and others. But putting that aside, like, yeah, they were really an incredible team in this era. They, they were top tier, absolutely. So I'll give them respect. They were on my short list for the best team. They absolutely deserve it. That narrative that you mentioned might be out there. There's also a narrative, you know, that they're nothing but a ripoff of, you know, the Midnight's and the Rock and Roll Express, and they're like this kind of cheap uh, version. So that's also out there. To me, I actually thought that I would think less of them because, hmm. you know, that, that style of wrestling is not my favorite style. But they maybe it's because – and no, it's not. I was about to say maybe it's because they're with the Brain Busters, but they're with a lot of teams, and they do well. So I think they deserve it. Um, they are the only team that, to me, are close to strike force in – that kind of work in this era. And again, some teams have fallen. Like, say what you want to say. There's a there's a team uh, who we're not hearing about. And we got ten we got ten people in the vote and maybe you got them mentioned, but there is a team who is sometimes considered to be the best of the best. The best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be of this era, but I haven't heard their name yet. Well here's here you will hear their name now because the only other number one vote I got was from Brooklyn who uh, was clearly pushing back against our narratives a little bit because he did vote for the Hart Foundation and, once again, left no comments to that effect. So, okay. uh, you know, again, I don't know if that's just the way you feel at the time. He's definitely talked before about liking the Hart Foundation. Um, so, yeah, there's different feelings out there, different opinions. Yeah, and they're, they're all valid. We joke around, folks. But I do think it's funny that anyone who just loves, super-duper loves the new generation and Bret Hart – and would be furious about our Heart Foundation, and they would be like, "Fuck you!" See, one of your listeners said the Heart Foundation was the best. Yeah, he also said the Ultimate Warrior was the best. So, sort that out. <laughs> uh, don't even. I'm not even going to get into people who might. Uh, nope, leaving that aside. Um, I will say to our point that the Hearts uh, were not that great. Ryan Evans made a point to uh, make an honorable mention to the Jumping Bomb Angels, specifically yeah. citing them as a better team than the Hearts, which uh, I absolutely agree with on both counts. So well done. I am angry that the Jumping Bomb Angels are not going to win an award. Yeah, they won't. Um, but they deserve uh, attention, and we will mention them a few times because uh, they're a great team. They had great matches in an era where uh, great matches were not at all expected of that division. And, uh, yeah, they're great, and they have one of the best tag team names I ever heard of. So great, great team right there. They emerged for me the same way Strike Force did. Like, they just blew up. Like, I saw them one time, and I was like, oh, my God, I want more of this forever. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I am a huge fan of uh, women's wrestling in Japan, which is called Joshi Wrestling. Um, and yeah, like 
these women were so far ahead of the pack. Just Bull Nakano, if you've ever seen, uh, Aja Kong, you know, we will see some of these people as we continue through the series, and God bless the WWF for that. They will never uh, really kind of make, <laughs> like, they'll never be around for long, but whenever they show up, man, they will jump off the screen, and with very good reason. Absolutely. And it's exciting. Okay, shout out to uh, Brooklyn. I I don't, if it's the Heart Foundation, if it's the Warrior, I just want to let you know, we love your contributions. <laughs> We do, yeah, and at times, you know, you're more in sync with either kind of the, the majority opinion or just the opinion at the time. You know, we, we come at it with a very specific lens. I think we Me try too. hard to be fair, but we see things a certain way. We're both a little bit contrarian. Uh, our tastes maybe are a little bit different. So uh, I love that we have this group, which kind of sees a lot of things like we do. Um, but, yeah, like our frame is not the frame that a lot of people use, and that's that's perfectly fair. Yeah, and the difference is I, I think we will both admit readily that our opinion is no better, but it's just a specific opinion that has been formed through the experiential. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, one other team I want to shout out, I think they fell under the radar, but I think they at least deserve a mention. They were in my top five, the Islanders, Haku and Tama. Huh. I think they had some brilliant matches at times. They have really no narrative around them. But uh, I think they could be a very brilliant team, so I want to put them at least kind of in the upper tier of uh, of great teams that uh, deserve some recognition. Yeah, sadly I forgot about them, but now that you mentioned them, I I absolutely agree with that assessment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Islanders are up there. I want to point out that nobody, nobody, but nobody mentioned the British Bulldogs. So I don't know mm. what that tells you about another supposedly greatest tag team of all time, but. Um, yeah, that's a narrative that I push back against, and uh, yeah, so that that's that's the last thing I'll say about that that division. Yeah, I think they were having all their greatest matches of all time with the other group that only got one mention as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a few that I have never um, gotten into, so that's you know <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, cool. Next category on the ballot, then we have best women's title run of this era. This one was probably a little bit hard to choose because a lot of this stuff was not seen or the, the titles were just kind of like under the radar for a lot of the time. But uh, we did end up on my side having a consensus, a unanimous vote for Sensational Sherry, who uh, we got to cover some of her title defenses, and she impressed the hell out of me. And uh, I think maybe Amy Stewart said it best. No one else had a future once the division ended. Sherry was bigger than the division, which I think is the best way to put it. So, uh, very fair. Credit to the Jumping Bomb Angels as well. The only other per team you could, I think, even mention here. But, yeah, Sherry just a cut above the pack. Yeah, we got a 3-1 to one here. So, uh, uh, our prof, BK, uh, Mystic, Offset, Sensational Sherry. Uh, Benjamin Button wrote in Moolah. Wow. Yeah, he says... To me, she and Richter moved the needle more than anyone. They were a big part of the rock and wrestling movement and WrestleMania 1. When you go back and watch Mania 1, that match stands out as pretty notable and maybe the match where the most happened. Richter probably could be changed out, but it doesn't happen with a, without a strong heel world champ, women's champion. Obviously, big kudos to Captain Lou and Cindy Lauper between Moolah, Lou, and Lauper. Man, what characters. You know, I was all set to scoff at that a little bit, and I still maybe do a little bit because, man, watch her wrestle and maybe think yeah. about that. But uh, 
Um, it's very fair to talk about the effect that she and Wendy Richter had on that first WrestleMania. And that's something that does not get very much credit. And yet, if not for that feud and not for that connection with Cindy Lobner, maybe WrestleMania does not happen. That's literally the level that it was at. And it was very much kind of like shoved under the rug and there's no narrative for it. But, uh, it is very important. So if you want to just look at it through that lens, like, yeah. Okay, I kind of get that. That That's something that deserves a comment, and I would have just left it on the shelf as well. I wouldn't have mentioned it, so I, I really praise Benjamin Button for bringing that back into the focus here for a moment. Yeah, I think one thing he does so much for us is so much of his viewing is pre-even Vince McMahon WWF era. So, like, he is often, you know, giving a shout-out to things that we miss because you just can't cover everything. You can do your, your damnedest. You can't put your attention. There's only so much attention and perspective. So I think Sherry dominated this because she deserved to dominate it. But again, I love reaching out to 10 people because you get that one different response. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So great shout out there. Um, sadly, yeah, I don't know if there's much else to say. The women's division was very neglected in this era for a lot of the time, but I really got to praise Sensational Sherry. I still remember that match she had with Velvet McIntyre, which is probably one of my favorites, where she was just, like, full-on Ric Flaring all around yes. the ring, like, bumping and just being huge and over the top. And there's just a lot of potential left on the table there, as great as she was as a manager. And I wouldn't even trade that. But, man, what a great wrestler as well. That's what stood out to me. So much women's wrestling to me is a lot like watching uh, TNA when they were getting known for the X Division. Like, it's amazing for a lot of people, but it's like, okay, it's like straight into the action. So it blew my mind when Sherry was kind of strutting, was not locking up. I, I don't see that a lot. And so it's almost a big flare, yes, but also there's a Randy Savage, uh, ironically. Like, I think Savage and Sherry have similarities in the ring, being big characters, big personalities. So, like, maybe that pass was always going to cross uh, Rockin' Robin, uh, not the greatest of all time, but I think she deserves a shout-out, and I think she played the straight baby face while Sherry played the kind of mindful heel so well. So Sherry made things more sophisticated for my viewing. Uh, I don't think you could praise Sherry enough. We'll continue to do so throughout the show, but damn near a unanimous vote for Sherry, and it's well-deserved. Very, very well-deserved. Um, I don't know if we will have a unanimous vote on this next one as well. We may, because I have it on my side. Best manager of the era is the next category on my ballot. And uh, Bobby Heenan walking away here with six votes. Um, the very, a, little, a little bit of comments for others, but really he dominated here. And uh, he was my pick. Absolutely. That's not a surprise to anyone. Um, Amy Stewart wrote, his story was so huge, especially with Hulk Hogan. It will influence the story for the next decade. Also, no other manager will lower themselves as much as he did to put over the faces. I will say I know exactly what you mean by that. And yet, by, quote-unquote, lowering himself, he always elevated everything that he was part of. So, huge love, huge, huge, huge love for Bobby Heenan here. Absolutely. We did not get a unanimous vote. Ah, okay, all right, tell me. So we got two for Bobby Heenan, I think, at least. Uh, we got several for Bobby Heenan. We got uh, BK went Bobby Heenan. Benjamin Button went Bobby Heenan. Uh, our prof went with Slick. Oh, okay. All right. I'll say Slick was probably my number two choice here. 
um, narrowly beating out Sherry, because Sherry really kind of just started at the last minute here. Um, so, yeah, Slick was my number two. I, I give credit to that. Is there any comment attached to that? Nobody commented on uh, this category. Not too bad. Uh, I went with Fuji. Uh, Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> nah, okay. Bobby Heenan is the Hulk Hogan of managers in this era. He is the friend and family of the giant. He is the great storyteller of heels. He is temperamental. He can be horrible, but he can also be brilliant. He is the weasel and he is the brain with no preference given to one or the other. Bobby Heenan is a master class for anyone wanting to do anything of merit in and with their lives. Oh, man. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, I love Bobby Heenan. Another award for him. His third, I think, with um, yeah. best promo and best uh, manager heel pairing or client pairing, whatever. Yeah, you know? look at Bobby Heenan. Yeah, he's he's uh he's up there, and he he may get more before this is all done. You know, he deserves it. So, great stuff. Um, I'll say Sherry was mentioned as number two choice for uh, Ryan Evans, and also Brooklyn kind of split his number one vote. So I don't know if you want to say five point five for Heenan. <laughs> Point five for Sherry on my side, but I think that's very fair. Um, I'll say of the big five, and I think there's really only five you could have voted for here, unless you're a big J- Johnny V fan for some reason. But uh, I, I gotta say, I want to get your take. I would actually take Fuji over Jimmy Hart at this point. Right, that. <laughs> Putting the mustard aside in terms of just like who who will be more entertaining to me, I would take Fuji. Here's the thing, because I just want—I wanted to shout out Jimmy Hart, actually. Okay, all right, that's fair. I have nothing against Jimmy Hart. I just thought yeah. he was five out of five of the best, you know, manager pairings that you could come up with. And I'm not going to—not for the longevity of the thing—but I did go back and rewatch some of the early stuff for this show, okay. and it, it was weirdly—he you know, was more important and stood taller and mattered more. Uh, in the earlier days, uh, I think, that he did later on. So I just wanted to shout that out. And I'll mention him again a little later in the show. But I'm also not against Fuji. Fuji made – he never made sense. Everything he did was stupid, but he was involved stupidly uh, in that demolition uh, where he betrayed the tag team champions in order not to have the tag titles for reasons. But, like, I'm not mad at anybody on this list. Like, I think Slick is my number two. Sherry is my number three, and you can put Fuji – and Jimmy Hart, however uh, you like. <laughs> That's fair. I would say Mr. Fuji, yes. Um, his, his decisions are objectively the worst. I'm glad that <laughs> narrative that I pitched very early panned out. Um, yes. But uh, <laughs> um, if every manager is at the same level of competence, then yes. what's the difference between them? So I love having a guy who is different, um, who is just objectively like a bad manager they can make fun of, and yet... Very entertaining. Like, I'm always drawn to Fuji, uh, his aesthetic, kind of like the weirdness of him. Um, there's something about Fuji that I appreciate. And I got love for Jimmy Hart, too. I will always shout out him squealing that he will take Randy Savage to Kmart and, like, get him all the cheapest uh, deals on his clothes when they were doing that wonderful, um, uh, like, who will manage Randy Savage storyline. Mm-hmm. So that, that was some beautiful stuff right there. He was also at the water park one time, right? I think so. I don't know if God, I don't yes, know what. Yeah, they did a Saturday night's main event where a lot of people were at the water park. So yeah, he was there too for sure. Yeah, uh, I don't know, man. All these are good. I like what you said. Not only if, the, if every manager was at, at the same level, but if every manager had the same approach. Yeah. 
Like, it doesn't make sense. Like Benjamin Button and I were talking last night. We were kind of joking on 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 the current age, like old people tend to do. Don't take it seriously. Don't be offended. You know, it's just an opinion from people who don't quite enjoy things as much. But he was watching Florida wrestling, watching Dusty Rhodes, and we were talking about the importance of locality, of being from somewhere local, and how we kind of moved beyond that as a world, as a wrestling world, as a, all kinds of things. And you know, if we were still living in those days, like he is currently in Florida, so he could uh, he could be going to Dusty Rhodes shows. I'm currently in Missouri. I could be going to the Harley Race shows, and we kind of joked about like where are wrestlers from today? Most of them to us at least are from like the internet. They're from social media and like, you know, you don't get this kind of strong roots. And I really, I really like this idea that there's not a person on this list who is like the other person. Like if I had Fuji as my manager, that would mean something very specific. If I had Slick as my manager, something very specific. Sherry as my manager, Bobby Heenan as my manager and whoever else I am not mentioning right now yeah yeah it's just a uniqueness and i i would like to see that i think part of the reason that tag wrestling went down and part of the reason that managers went down is because it just became a thing where you just have managers and you have tag wrestlers and people have to bring out the uniqueness of every category again nobody should just be on tv because that's a role to be filled Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um you know there, there definitely will be times where you can you know what you're getting before someone even walks out because they're you know you just know what role they're supposed to be playing and that that definitely wasn't true here I think so that, that's a great shout out as well. Um, oh no. Are there certain that. wrestlers that represent like where's Seth Rollins from? Oh God knows. Uh, I feel like they're from like security. They were like CM Punk security, or then they just originated from security. Like oh here are the security. Like I just. People would need to be from places in order to be people. You know, just that's all. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. We've kind of moved beyond that um, as a world, and that you know, it is what it is. So uh, I'll say you mentioned CM Punk though, and it always part of his appeal, a small part. Cause he had a lot of appealing things at one time, although people don't like to say it now. But uh, strongly associated with Chicago. Yeah. So like, he had a place that he was from for sure. But then uh, you look at somebody like. I don't know, John Cena, where's he from? Like, Boston, we know, but basically, like, he's from America, (laughs) at best, you know, if anything, so, or he's from WWE headquarters, so. He's from Chin, and and stupid part, hair part, and (laughs) he's from Mayberry, and whatever else. (laughs) He would have fit in well, I could see it. They're from gimmicks, and you can't be from a gimmick. And, like, not only is it nice, but then when you go to Chicago, you have to contend with the fact that whether CM Punk is a face or a heel, these people know that he this is a hometown guy. And that – I think it's, again, for WWF partly, it's a way to take control because, like, you know, if you had to deal with, oh, the headache of, oh, they might cheer him here. But, like, they want to dictate everything, I think, including the fan response, and that's that's not fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, will we get a unanimous? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, with managers, um, we will not get unanimous with the next one, but with managers, we just want to shout out, we saw uh, Captain Lou Albano and Freddie Blassie in this era, uh, not nearly as prominent as they were earlier, but someone in the forum was talking about managers, like who kind of came before, and uh, yeah, you got to talk about two very important managers in terms of Bl- uh, Blassie and Albano. 
Absolutely. Fred Blassie will be in some Attitude Era promos uh, later in this series, and it is just so amazing. He's also uh, on the Dick Van Dyke show, which uh, if you don't know what that is, I feel sorry for you, but it's 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 a very good show from 100 years ago. I love Freddie Blassie. I don't look at that Attitude Era stuff, because that never made a lot of sense to me, but yet somehow it's compelling, so I'll yeah. have some credit <laughs> there. So. All right. Uh, we do have the next category, and it will not be unanimous um on my side actually we had a 3-3 split wow. half the field going for bobby heenan half the field going for jesse ventura and i think uh you know those definitely are the names that you got to go with i have a feeling who's going to win this um but uh why don't you share your side as well yeah we have a uh, unanimous four votes for jesse <laughs> the body ventura uh no comments from our prof bk or button uh, i said that jesse can be as annoying as he can be amazing, sort of like CM Punk. He can be a dog after a bone. If the bone doesn't warrant the dog-like behavior, it can be too much. But when the dog-like behavior aligns with a bone that only this man can get, Jesse Ventura becomes a voice like no other. He is every bit in the booth what Heenan is as a manager, what Hogan is as a babyface champion. He is a pillar. He is a foundation. He is a pole. He marks something in the locality of the era. Without him, the great nuances that we praised would not have been so evident. With him, we heard some of the greatest overlap of larger-than-life characters meet tiny, nuanced detail. And through that, we got story almost unparalleled. Mm, that's a beautiful way to put it. You know, I voted for Heaton, but I, I feel like I have no problem with Ventura winning. I think uh, in some ways he really does deserve it. Um, just because he was also very prolific in this era, like almost every major show as Jesse Ventura, unless he's off uh, filming a movie or something. So he is the voice of this era. He is the guy who would get up randomly during pay-per-views and receive like one of the biggest pops of the night. He is just uh, an iconic character. And um, yeah, he he gets a well-deserved award here. Um, Amy Stewart writes, uh, he called it, straight and does not allow babyface privilege to go ignored mm. when the rules are enforced on the heels. And that's a, that's a great way to put it out there. He will call it as he sees it. And I uh, really appreciated your, your comment about uh, he kind of gets a bone and he like chases it down. And, you know, if it's something a little weird, then, you know, it is what it is. But a lot of times <laughs> he will be so insightful. He will cut right to the heart, to the most important part to the bone itself and he will uh, really just make something work that is really beautiful yeah the, the funny thing is if we're going by favorites he might be at the bottom too uh for me like i love bobby heenan uh, i love gina okerlin i love girl monsoon as people i love them as entertainers mm. uh, jesse ventura still don't necessarily i don't know if he's the kind to be like that like he's you, you don't want to hug him, even if you appreciate him, um, is a weird way of saying it. Uh, yeah, he is. But I think partly because we covered more um, Saturday Night's Main Event than primetime wrestling, because I honestly say, even getting outside of favorites, if we had covered all of primetime wrestling, I might be going with Bobby Heenan instead of Jesse Ventura. But for for how we covered the WWF, God, you take him off Saturday Night's Main Event, which will happen, and just let Vince McMahon run wild. And I don't know if even the best of this era doesn't get spoiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, there's something about that. He kept in check some powerful forces in a way yeah. that maybe nobody else could have. So, yeah, I will say um, I totally get what you're saying. Ventura is not like um, 
likable in the same way that you might have Bobby Keenan or Gene Okerlund or something. But man, like the things he pushed for the yeah. the union, the contracts, the better treatment of wrestling, the 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 stance he took against some of the uh, worst aspects of the business is very inspiring to me. I give him huge credit for that as well. If we're talking about accomplishments outside the booth, this is a guy who I think made wrestling better for wrestlers everywhere. Cause before him, they weren't getting contracts. They weren't having agents. Um, they were much more vulnerable to be taken advantage of and they still are, but less so than in the past. And that's, uh, that's something we can credit Jesse Ventura for quite a bit. And way before his time, like you say, they still are, which they are, you know, think about someone trying to do something about this, what, 30 plus years ago. Yeah. And also to your point, which shocked me every time is anytime they introduced him on pay-per-view, he got one of the loudest pops of the night. Absolutely. So it's hard to underestimate him. I really, it's one that, you know, I had to earn. I think some of the listeners pushed me, you know, Benjamin Button and others, because it's just in my mind, in my felt sense, I just prefer Bobby Heenan. But, like, you know, we got a hard push that you better also consider Jesse Ventura, and he, he definitely is worth that consideration. Yep, he is. So, yeah, we kind of got the 7-3 split for Ventura, and I think that's fair, but Bobby Heenan will make up a lot of ground in the, the next few years, I think, as he steps back from managing and does some all-time, all-time great commentary yeah. work. Um, we also got kind of half a vote. For Gorilla Monsoon from Brooklyn, which I think uh, is very fair, and I think uh, he should not be forgotten in this conversation because uh, it really surprised me at the time some people were not uh, that into Gorilla Monsoon because I love this guy. He's one of my favorite babyface announcers ever. Um, his gimmick very much is like, I'm the smartest guy in the room, and yet he pulls it off so well, and he's such a comforting presence, and he has such integrity at times, as we'll talk about more later. That uh, Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, he's an essential part of this act in this era, and I really appreciate him getting uh, some some recognition here. Yeah, we definitely want to spend time talking about Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, if this, again, this is another one that if it was personality, I think he'd be higher because for me, mm. as a commentator, he has great nights, and then he has some nights where it's just like, did you even do homework or anything? <laughs> you know. But I love, love, love Gorilla. Uh, so. It's like with Gene Oakland. Both of them deserve more praise than they've gotten. Um, and even Vince McMahon, we got to make sure that we mention because this is this is a man who's going to be in uh, at least one era we do. He's going to be in that first list of MVPs. Oh, yeah. You know, and this is like as different a character as you could be from that character. And I used to hate him as a kid. Like, I thought – I just thought he didn't know anything about wrestling. I didn't even know who he was. I just thought, oh, my God, how many times can you think there's a fucking three count when it's not a three count? <laughs> and so on and so forth. But, man, you know, I have come to really appreciate him. I love the digs from uh, Vince and Jesse and all the things you learn later as an adult that are going on kind of in the booth at the same time. Indeed, yeah. Vince McMahon was kind of in my number five slot, kind of in that Jimmy Hart area, yeah. uh, because he's got some weaknesses that you can't ignore. Uh, he definitely thinks every move is a maneuver, you know, and that may or may not bother you. But, yeah, like, that's not a, a slam on him, in my opinion. I enjoy Vince's commentary. I like the enthusiasm. I like kind of getting his weird perspective about how things should be seen. Uh, we've talked about how he kind of, like, tries to direct, like, well, this is how you should be interpreting this. And, like, it's kind of weird but kind of interesting as well. So I do like Vince as a commentator. 
um, the guy we haven't talked about, but who actually was like kind of a close number three for me is Gene Okerlund, mm-hmm. um, who was an announcer in a different way. Uh, although I did watch some um, MSG events where he did commentary with Monsoon and he was very good there as well, but just uh, in his own role, like, I think we've said before, but man, he's just uh, 10 steps above anyone else who ever filled that role in their life. Like the Gene Okerlund role, he made it into something that nobody else has even come close to achieving. He, he He's just an incredible talent and deserves so much recognition for what he added to this era. Yeah, I feel bad that he's not getting some award because as much as Jesse Ventura if you take him off Saturday night's main event and you either have nobody or some random person back there, it's not the same. Like even when Jesse goes back there, a lot of the times it's not the same to me. Gene Oakland is just he, he he illuminates that space, and I think it's some social abilities that go beyond a professional job. Like he is just at ease uh, with everyone, unless he doesn't want to be. You know, he is funny. He seems to enjoy life. He seems to be a little bit mischievous. Uh, anything you can want. He's also a great reminder that this is not good guy versus bad guy because he would be on the line of the baby faces. And he, my friend, has got to be just as dangerous as anybody uh, in that locker room. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're right about that. It would just have to be the Gene Oakland Award because what he yeah. does, like nobody else is even in the conversation. So that's beautiful. Great stuff. Great stuff. Imagine creating that, you know, in. A Gene Oakland award that always goes to Gene Oakland and nobody else is in the conversation. And it's not a giveaway. It, it is a valuable thing. And who else does that? You know, there's not many people who have created that kind of space for themselves. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, we want to keep us moving so we don't run out of time here. We got best pay-per-view of the era coming up next. Uh, this one got a lot of split. And I was actually surprised on this. I thought there was going to be uh, a clear winner. So we got 2-2. One and one, and the two events that got uh, two votes apiece are WrestleMania three, which is the one I voted for, and I was expecting to come out on top, and then WrestleMania five, uh, which I was a little surprised by, but um, a lot of people turns out like that event a lot. Uh, I don't know if I loved it as much, but it certainly had some very high points, so I'll give credit to that one as well. What do you have on your side? This might be the award I ended up caring about least. And I think for me, I don't know. I don't think a lot of the pay-per-view stood out to me, which is weird because as names, they stand out more than almost anything in the world, like Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble. But like, I didn't want to go with WrestleMania three because it's so obvious. So I tried to look at other ones and I couldn't really find anything. So uh, I ended up going WrestleMania three, even though I think as a brand, I think I've looked forward to, to maybe Survivor Series the most in this early run. Um, my, it was unanimous on our side, which gives the winner uh, WrestleMania three. Um, we'll end up taking the category. Fair enough, yeah. And uh, I will say Survivor Series made up number two, three, and four on my short okay. list. Um, and we've only had three of them, so that should tell you a lot right there. Yeah. It's really delivered. Uh, Brooklyn voted for Survivor Series '87 as his favorite, and Ryan Evans voted for Survivor Series '88. So. Yeah, a lot of recognition for Survivor Series. That's very cool. So, I was an I was an Ant Joff going with one of those Survivor Series. So. Yeah, no, they're great. They're absolutely great. So Survivor Series has really um, delivered. I wonder maybe if the Royal Rumble will take up that spot in the next mm. bracket, but uh, maybe not. You know, we're gonna have to wait and see what happens. Um, so yeah, WrestleMania Five, an interesting one. 
Um, Amy Stewart made a comment uh, where five was uh, the mega powers exploding was built up so well and it culminated after so long. Um, she liked the undercard and also that uh, Warrior was outsmarted on the card. <laughs> so that that is a point in its favor. Yeah, for me, there's a lot of Savage versus Hogan that would dominate almost any other time. But it always it stands in the in the shadow of Hogan Andre, so it's always hard for me to do that. Absolutely so, yeah. And man, WrestleMania three got the biggest live crowd. You know, whatever you think the number was, it was still the biggest. And um, you know, it has Hogan Andre, it has Savage Warrior, or no, God, Savage Steamboat and uh, yeah. Piper Adonis. I think should not be overlooked there. Yeah. So that that's a hell of a one two three punch. Yeah, and with 293,000 fans in attendance, I don't know how you just kind of overlooked that. <laughs> indeed, indeed, you got it. I forgot about that trio, though. Yeah, I, I think you just made me comfortable with my WrestleMania 3 pick, so. Excellent. Glad to... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was easy to forget Piper Adonis and kind of the, the, the bulk of what we've covered, but man, that was a great one. Really, really yeah. good stuff. 100%. Okay, so favorite. Wrestler of the era. This is one where um, got uh, a lot of different votes. We got one, 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 and two. One person got two votes, and um, well, it might not be the person you expect. It was actually Hulk Hogan. I think some people are reaching back to their uh, childhood here, perhaps, but maybe, maybe not. Yeah, Hulk Hogan uh, narrowly getting the victory on my side here. He got two. Yep, two out of the six he picked up. Only yeah, person so he get will more not, than one vote. He won't win the. He won't win this. But okay. I am shocked to hear that. And yeah, cool. This was this is weirdly the most difficult. Like this should not be a difficult category. You know, your favorite wrestler there should just be kind of simple. But like I struggled, and I don't think I, I, I even now I don't think I have a pick that I'm comfortable with. So, but we do have a winner. I do believe I can't speak fully because I think so. Um, our prof. Went with Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm-hmm. BK went with Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Benjamin Button went with Andre the Giant. So that's going to be interesting. And then I said Andre or Savage, vertical or horizontal, almost a tie. I think I have Andre as more likable, but I'm going to go with Savage for quantity. Uh, he was a heel that was locked for eternity with George the Animal Steel. Um, he was the IC champion who stole the show and made a name. He's the babyface who came into light and shadow of Hulk Hogan, the WrestleMania Four winner, with Liz, the torchbearer and symbol of a moment in time, the man who helped blow up the mega powers to end and begin everyone involved, the Macho King, and so much more is to come. Like Andre, we are going to miss this man when he's gone. He is a floor on which many in the 90s will stand, yet he is also a sky so high that he so often floats up there alone. Mm. That's great. That's great. I love the way you put that out there. Um, vertical or horizontal. That's beautiful. Um, so your vote then was for Randy Savage. Yeah, for Randy Savage. Okay. Ryan Evans also put in a vote for him, which I think will lock this up for Savage, for favorite wrestler of the era. But uh, a lot of contenders in here for sure. Um I'll read for Hulk Hogan. Uh, Amy Stewart put him in, saying, uh, as a kid, not knowing what he would become or who he really is, he was just the man. His song, uh, I Am a Real American, is a lifestyle. 
thinking it was real, at least the title matches. I was in his corner with my eyes starstruck. Grandma said I was in an actual trance without blinking, watching No Holds Barred, the movie. <laughs> so that's, you know, you can't discount that childhood no. fandom. That's incredibly strong. I love that. God, I love that. This is, I just want a quick pause, man, because these are human beings who not only listen to this show, but then when you trouble them for their time, come with these kind of answers. Like, you can't, you cannot beat that. Mm, absolutely. Really incredible. Brooklyn also putting in a number one vote for Hulk Hogan, saying, it pains me <laughs> to still select this guy as a black wrestling fan, but I owned a lunchbox, bedsheets, pajamas, LGN, LJN, and Hasbro figures of the guy during this era. And that's very fair. I mean, I think with a lot of wrestlers, you sometimes have to put, like, okay, this is who they are as a person, and this is who they are as a wrestler, and what they meant to me. And I think that's perfectly fair. We have to do that with a lot of things in life and art, and, you know, that that is what it is. So you can think whatever you think of Hogan the person, but you cannot overestimate his effect on uh, especially the kids who watched in this era. Yeah, I, I, man, again, I just, I appreciate the honesty. You know, that cannot be a difficult, or it cannot be an easy choice to make, but separating out the things I did not expect any Hulk Hogan in this, so that surprises me. I'm also surprised at how varied your list is for this. So uh, we got Savage now. We got one for Andre on my side. We got Hogan. Um, I love the variety here. Is anyone else making the list? Yep, few more, and then some honorable mentions we got to throw out there. Uh, Andre the Giant got one on my side as well from Charlie Rose, who shared that uh, as a kid, they actually went with Ultimate Warriors, so that that's the end, you know, kind of the effect that these guys have when you're a kid is different than the lens we look at it through. So, so a partial mention for the Ultimate Warrior there. Okay. Um, uh, also, for number ones, we had uh, My Vote, which was for the Brain Busters. Nobody oh. I looked forward to watching more than the Brain Busters. I, I would put them at the top of my favorite to watch list at any point in time in here. Dude, I respect the hell out of that choice, man. That is, that's, a, that's a special choice. <laughs> uh, for sure. And uh, my number two pick actually got a vote as well from uh, SCJ. Voted for Mr. Perfect, and that's another guy that just any time he walks out there, I'm going to have my eyes glued to the screen. I can't wait to watch the guy. Yeah, we got a lot of Mr. Perfect love going on, and he hasn't even, to me, like, like shown his full leapfrogging ability, you know, like the stinger, like his moment's still to come. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, a guy on my short list and also got some honorable mentions was Owen Hart. And uh, I think maybe that's more for Owen Hart in general than necessarily his performance in this era. Yet, he was very good in this era as well. Uh, also on my short list, I had uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Rick Martell. Other people who got mentioned were uh, Jake Roberts, Bret Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Haku, Harley Race. And one person, SCJ again, who admitted as a kid, Brutus Beefcake was one of the people they watched, they looked forward to the most. Respect. So there, there's some more honesty there. Yeah, I love your honesty. You know, uh, shout out to you for that honesty. Also, um, Owen Hart. Shout out to people that said Owen Hart because my God, even in this era, he's amazing. 
And then whoever said Harley Race, like, yes, that's really that's a really awesome response. Yes, Ryan Owens throwing Harley Race in there, and I, I love that. I couldn't call him a favorite just based on what I saw, but, like, he's he's not that far off either. He's very, very good stuff. Yeah, thank you for that, Ryan, because I don't think he would have got a mention, and now that I'm thinking, like, he, he, he yes, WWF, and he's a king, but he had a cool run, and I'm glad at least he's getting a shout-out on the show. Yeah, absolutely so. Uh, moving right on to the next category, we have least favorite wrestler of the era and uh we didn't really get a consensus here the top two picks with two votes each were the red rooster and honky tonk man who both uh kind of got strong mentions here and uh neither one was my top pick but both uh were kind of in my bottom tier so that that'll tell you something for sure okay so this might be a difficult one to figure out or it might end up being our first tie because we're um, Who do you got? <laughs> okay, so we got one for Brutus Beefcake. Our prop went with Brutus Beefcake for least favorite wrestler of the era. Sure. Uh, Benjamin Button went with the Ultimate Warrior. And BK and I went with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> we have a five-way tie for least favorite wrestler of the era. My vote was for Brutus Beefcake. Ryan Evans' vote was for Ultimate Warrior. So, <laughs> yes, we have a five-way tie. Brutus Beefcake, Hacksaw Duggan, Ultimate Warrior, Red Rooster, and the Honky Tonk Man, all at yeah. the bottom of the list, and they deserve it. Congratulations, <laughs> Beat Bushwhackers. You narrowly avoided um, your number six, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> Ooh, This might be the most poetic uh, thing that has happened in this series so far. Oh man, that's really incredible! Like you couldn't you couldn't think of more deserving people. I think <laughs> yeah. to be at the bottom of the list here. So a five way tie, and you all deserve it. I love that. <laughs> oh, congratulations to all the most terrible wrestlers that we had to suffer through. Um, uh, Red Rooster got a comment from Amy Stewart, who uh, mentioned uh, that not only is he bad in wrestling, but he's also a very bad guy in real life, which is true. He is a an avowed hardcore racist by all um, accounts, so take that for what you will. And then uh, Honky Tonk Man got a comment from SCJ who said, as a stupid child, I like the other gimmicks mentioned, except for the Red Rooster, whom I avoided. So uh, so that's kind of a comment on the rest of the field, if you will. Is it bad that I think Honky Tonk Man might be too good for this list? <laughs> he didn't make my top, my bottom five, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, if anything... He, um, you know, he, he, he deserves maybe a little more recognition than these guys. I almost, I don't know if I almost, yeah, I almost broke the tie because Hacksaw was like a very last second addition. I was going with the Ultimate Warrior um, at one point. I was thinking about uh, the Bushwhackers at some point. That's, that still would have been a tie. But what I kept remembering, nobody made me as angry as often as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I would always forget about him. And it wasn't even his gimmick. It wasn't him running people out of the ring when they're just trying to sing songs. It was when he's in fucking matches and he no-sells everything like he's the greatest thing to ever happen. And then he ruins the end of the match by grabbing his 2 by 4 and just doing stupid shit. And you wonder, why did you wrestle the whole time? So Hacksaw got this because nobody legitimately made me so angry so often as Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, 
man. That's absolutely fair. He was number two on my list, just behind Brutus Beefcake, who I think was even more egregious in the things he did and the spots he took, especially towards the end here. There is no business in the world for Brutus Beefcake to be in the main event of your pay-per-view. So, my God. Yeah, that's true. That's that's so true. <laughs> oh, my. All right. So, that <laughs> that that came out just perfect. Oh, it, you cannot script that. That is my favorite thing so far. And <laughs> oh, that's so I don't funny. think anything else should have happened. No. I don't know what's going to happen next either because I got I – got I got one vote. There's no there's no more than one vote for anybody in my category in the next one. Okay, I think we're going to have a clear winner in the next one. Okay. Worst gimmick of the era is the next on the ballot. And uh, I have three votes, including my own, for the yeah, Red think... Rooster. Um, so that's definitely going to take this category. Yeah. I will say, regardless of what you think of Terry Taylor, I think we talked about this a little, I don't think there's a wrestler on Earth who could have gotten the no. Red Rooster gimmick over the way it was presented. He walked in the door and they immediately talked about how much he sucked. He had a stupid haircut, a stupid name, a stupid way of moving around, stupid puns he had to make. Like this guy is barely a cut above the gobbledygooker who we will see soon wow. enough. So, so to me, I think that was very deserving, even though there are many other bad gimmicks that should be shouted down in this era. That's a great point. I think for me, he he was so insignificant that even though his name was on this list, I just passed it over every time. <laughs> you know, it, it's almost like he was never there, even though he was. And I can't argue with your points. Uh, our prof went with Zeus, uh, the invincible actor Zeus, which shout out to that because big mess of that year. Uh, BK went with the sexually excited Barber Beefcake. Uh, Button went with the Red Rooster. And I changed mine at the end, and I went with Polka Dotted Dusty, not because it's a horrible gimmick or, like, the worst of all – is a horrible gimmick, but not because it's, like, the worst of all time. But I have really talked myself into a shoot, as they say, that the Ultimate Warrior should not be the guy going to WrestleMania six. He failed at it. He will fail at it. It was obvious they would fail at it. Sometimes you got to have more than a body. One thing I want to pay attention to is how many times will WWF take a nosedive? in this series because Vince likes somebody's body and that somehow means they should be the world champion for a year. Like that's something to pay attention to. So for me, I don't care that it was towards the end of Dusty's career. I don't care that he was vulnerable because he was on the outs with NWA and he, WWF had the leverage. If they had just brought him in and treated him with respect and let him be himself, what might have been? And I don't know... I should have paid more attention because I don't know if there's another dusty category for me to go on a rant. So I will go ahead and do it here. But, man, sometimes I just wonder. We have realized in this series that Hulk Hogan was inspired, his body, his selling, his motions type thing by Dusty Rose. Dusty Rose was almost the first Hulk Hogan. Vincent Man Jr. wanted to make a movie about him. He was big in Madison Square Garden. He was going to be world champion, some people say, if not for a promise to Bob Backlund. So just if you did a few things differently, if Zeus isn't on that team, if Bruce Beefcake isn't on that team, if Hogan can't find anybody, but it's the American dream Dusty Rose that steps up, who knows? We'll never know. But the one thing that we do know is you could have done better than make a joke out of Dusty Rose. Mm, mm, yep, you got that right. 
Uh, it was number three on my list for exactly that reason. It's not the most horrible gimmick ever, but uh, the, the the timing and the person it was put on was just uh, was very poor. So you, you can't show any respect to that. Uh, I also had one vote from SCJ for Invincible Actor Zeus, which mm. uh, is just... That was my number two pick, because, man, that just about tanked a lot of stuff in this era. That tanked the main event, which had been so consistently entertaining up to that point, and it deserves a lot of criticism against it. I also got one vote for the sexually excited barber. (laughs) Ryan Evans simply commented that he is creepy, and he is. And uh, I got one vote that was uh, written in which I think is a great shout-out that I did not think of. Amy Stewart wrote in King Duggan. That's something we did not have to suffer through very much of, but the fact that it exists at all is so stupid, and Duggan sucks like we talked about. And plus, he was one of these guys who was like the whole time, oh, there shouldn't be a king, but guess what? When you got the crown, you sure love to march around with it on, you moron. So there you go. That's an interesting choice. I think I never would have seen that because I thought that was one of the great heel gimmicks of uh, the era. Was, but I guess if you look if you look at it as a baby face, I think I see where she's coming from. Oh my gosh! In a different time and place. No, I'm not even gonna waste words on it. It's it's done. It's Duggan. So, all right. Woo! Next category on the ballot, we have most overrated. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, we got four different people getting votes. And uh, the top contenders with two votes each, the Ultimate Warrior and the Heart Foundation. Wow. Yeah, what do you got on your side? Okay, okay, okay. So this is interesting. I got a spread as well. And we also have at least one comment. One's going to blow your mind, so I hope hope everyone is seated at home. Okay, all right. Okay, our prof is going to go with the Ultimate Warrior, which I can very well see because, my God, the level of push he's getting for the lack of talent is almost unparalleled. Yep. Uh, BK went with the Heart Foundation. Cool. So that was interesting. I thought they were going to get one vote, and that blew my mind. Okay, are we ready? Benjamin, Bu- <laughs> Benjamin Button went with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Wait. Was he the one? No, someone else voted for Steamboat as, like, best wrestler, right? No, that was Benjamin Button. He voted for both. Hmm. Yes. Hmm. Huh? What? Okay, yes, my mind is kind of blown. Please explain. Okay, so he says, My favorite in-ring wrestler of the era is also, to me, probably the most overrated because I believe history hasn't been kind enough to those who brought in the money. I've seen people even try to rewrite fantasy history with Steamboat as a world champion. Steamboat can never replace Hogan or Andre in that role as much as I like him. Also, his best stuff as a character is in the NWA, though I do enjoy his matches a lot in the WWF. You know what? I can see that. And this was one of the hardest ones, I think, to look at because there's so many different ways to look at overrated. Is it overrated by the company? Is it overrated by the fans at the time? Mm. Is it overrated by us in our viewpoint? Is it overrated by, as you see, weird people who want to like make weird fantasy bookings that never could have happened and just betray kind of their both their fandom and their ignorance? So uh, there's a lot of ways to look at it. I can respect that. Um, my mind is unblown, so I understand a little better now. Yeah, I love it, though, because just these are the kind of responses I enjoy. The same guy that puts Steamboat as a favorite, also putting him as overrated. Like, that is nuanced. You're just not going to get in a lot of places, and maybe you don't want it. Maybe you want the world to be more simplistic, but that's what you're going to get right here. 
and I, I, I respect it, Mr. Button. This was so difficult. I had three names written down because I just struggled, struggled, struggled. I started out with the Ultimate Warrior because, like, how can you get more overrated than the gigantic push? But then I thought about Hacksaw because, my God, was Hacksaw book strong. And they also wanted more from him at one time if things had gone a little bit differently. And then we had the Heart Foundation, who I could not overlook because, you know, there's just so much ah, around the Heart Foundation. Uh, and then I bumped Hacksaw Jim Duggan off of the list because, you know, fuck Hacksaw. Get out of here. Get out of here, kid. Go, go, go play with your 2 by 4 um, And then it almost came down to a coin flip. And I wish I went with the Heart Foundation because I think they would have won most overrated. And, man, would that be a hot take. But I got to be honest. Even as I almost lied on the air, I came so close to lying on the air and flipping through the Heart Foundation. But we got to have integrity. So I went with the Ultimate Warrior, though I now regret it. <laughs> well, with that, uh, unless uh, you want to still change your vote, which I would allow. But uh, if you don't, Ultimate Warrior will win this category. And uh, he is deserving as well. Uh, four votes to three. Um, Heart Foundation was definitely my vote as well, simply because uh, they are regarded as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. And they somehow did that with hardly having any uh, great or even really notable matches in their whole run. So, oh, wait, wait. Okay, here's the thing for you. Okay. Ms. Tell me. Nobody thinks the Ultimate Warrior is great. <laughs> Some people will defend him in some ways, but yeah, I don't think anyone would say he was a great wrestler. So he's not overrated. <laughs> so you know what? <laughs> By the letter of the fucking law, folks, I should have read the category more clearly. I'm going with the Heart Foundation. All right, we have a last-minute winner. I will allow it. The Heart Foundation, the most overrated of the era. Certainly wildly overrated, in my opinion, by uh, people who look back now. Um, but as we saw from Brooklyn, you know, maybe people saw him differently at the time. This is just our own opinion, but yeah, no, they're very overrated to me. So I, I'm so perfectly it, fine with this. I, this was one. I, I had three names written down legit when we came in because this, there was two awards that I did not really make a choice on, uh, even going to bed. And that was this one. And that was WrestleMania three. Cause like I tried to look back at the pay-per-views and I wasn't that interested in doing so, but <laughs> Yeah, Heart Foundation is going to get the win. They are going to leave uh, the first uh, Legacy Awards as the most overrated in the era. And they earned it, for sure. <laughs> I can't get over all these comments about how great they are, and I just don't see it. It's just not for me. So, um, Ultimate Warrior was second place. I think very deserving because uh, not, not really overrated by fans, although some people will stand up and be like, oh, he was better than you thought. He wasn't. Yeah. Uh, no. But uh, certainly very overrated by the company, who seem yes. to think he is a guy who can replace Hogan, which we will see is a lie. Uh, Amy Stewart left a comment here saying, yes, the crowd screamed, but he just threw standing clotheslines, and he could barely lift people safely, and he would not listen to pros trying to help him improve, and his interviews will give you a headache. So that is all very valid criticisms, and uh, when you look at a guy who will main event WrestleMania, you know, that, that that's pretty overrated as well. Yeah, and he is. But I think what honestly would make me go with Heart Foundation over Warrior is if we were doing more what the company thought, I do think Honky Tonk Man would have to be considered for IC title, uh, <laughs> demolition for tag, you know. So I come into this. The whole point of the Legacy Series is, like, 
company narrative be damned. Like we start with like that has no no uh, jurisdiction over what we come to, you know, in the series. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, also getting votes, Jim Duggan did get one from Charlie Rose. Good. Red Rooster got one from SCJ simply for existing. I assume that that alone overrated him. I think even yeah. when they talked about, oh, he's a very limited person, they were still overrating him, you know, just to give him yeah. that much credit. And he overrated himself. I think he could walk away from Bobby Heenan and be okay doing so. Yeah, yeah. Where are you now? You're a jobber. So, good uh, luck, buddy. <laughs> Uh, also mentioned, uh, or on my short list, um, British Bulldogs were number two for me because they're kind of in the same realm as the Hart Foundation, but they were probably a little bit better in the ring, so I'll mm. give them a little credit for that, but still very overrated. Um, Rick Rude was mentioned a few times. I think that's fair because some folks will come out and say, Rick Rude, oh, wow, what a great, great wrestler of this era, great in-ring performer, and man, like, once in a blue moon when he's motivated, sure, but wow, like... I can still see his headlock as clear as day. Like, it lives yeah. in my head now. So he'll just sit there until the cows come home. Yeah, Yoko usually puts him to shame uh, pace-wise. And, like, he weighs 150 pounds, it looks like. So I don't understand why that happens. But it does. And should, uh, respect, whoever shouted out Rick Rude. Like, you guys, great integrity, guys. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. I was myself and Ryan Evans also mentioning yes. him. So, yeah. Um and uh, last, Brutus Beefcake, and that again, just the fact yeah. that he made any main events that he got as much attention as he did is ridiculous. And uh, people don't come out and say he's great, but some people say, well, he wasn't that bad again, and he, he was, guys. So that's just how I see it. Yeah. He just, like, he was proud of how bad he was, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct about that. Oh, my gosh. All right. A more fun category for the positive-minded. We have most yeah. underutilized of the era. And this is another one where I saw a huge spread. Uh, the winner on my side, the only guy getting two votes and some other honorable mentions as well, Owen Hart, um, which I think is a very valid vote. It was not my vote, but uh, I think he's oh. definitely on the short list. And, I think Owen's going to win it, buddy. Okay, sure. I'm fine with that. No, I'd love that, but I wouldn't have thought of it, but I'd love it because I, I don't have anybody with two votes. Okay. Uh, I see our profit with Bad News Brown. Sure. Uh, he left us a comment saying Bad News Brown should have been positioned as a perennial main eventer on par with the likes of Ted DiBiase. Bad News Brown as a world title contender is that missing ingredient from Randy Savage's championship run. He was the right adversary to channel the intensity of Macho Madness across 1988. Had the feud between Savage and Bad News begun right after WrestleMania 4 to continue Bad News momentum as the winner of the Battle Royal. Uh, Savage could have had a more electrifying title reign while keeping the Mega Power storyline in place. That's a solid argument. That's a wonderful take. I like that. And I think Bad News Brown may end up uh, coming in second here because he got a vote on my side as well. Well, he will then because, like, well, he might tie at the most. Uh, Bad News Brown, yes. Uh, BK went with Hercules, which I got. I didn't go with Hercules, but somebody needed to go with Hercules because. I got a Herc vote too. So, yeah, yeah, we will see some, some good ties for second. You cannot convince me that he could not have done at least double what he did in the WWF. And I might not even would have seen it. It's one of those things where WWF's gimmick helped make it so. So it's WWF helped me see it while they also ceased seeing it. So those things always give me a headache. Um, Benjamin Button said Owen Hart, and he gave us a comment. 
He said, I've seen his work in Stampede, and he was really awesome even then. It was really hard to choose on this, but Owen had more opportunity um, than Wyndham and probably underutilized more than Martell, though I think they could have done more with Martell. Maybe they needed one more title. So that was – I love seeing Owen. I thought Owen was going to be like a surprise, not the winner, but I'm glad he's the winner. <laughs> as, it, as it dawns on me that Brett and Owen both just picked up awards. <laughs> And the, and the ones they deserved as well. It's so funny. Like you cannot make this stuff up because Bret Hart got most overrated with the Hart Foundation. Uh, Owen got underutilized as a masked uh, blue blazer, and the actual wrestling gimmick in 1994 is going to be the claim that Bret Hart made him wrestle under a mask so that he wouldn't upstage uh, the Hitman. <laughs> Oh my, yep, a little preview of some upcoming uh, categories, so fair enough. Um, who, did, who did you vote for? Did you say your own uh, vote? I, I have a few uh, lines to read here because right, this one okay. was important to me. Okay. Um, at first I was going to go with Dusty Rose because stuff I just said, but no. I went with Adrian Adonis, mm. who I could not stand not to get a shout out uh, in this. I said, the antagonist of antagonist, the man who's show followed Piper's in his prime and the only way Piper could win over it was to physically tear it down. The man who was rallied around by Jimmy Hart and Bob Orton Jr. The man you could transfer to any era and make it better. Imagine early 90s Undertaker versus Adonis split the flower shop in the funeral parlor. Later on he could have, he could have enhanced the title reigns of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels for sure. Imagine Adonis and Mankind together. Imagine Adonis versus Austin, Adonis versus The Rock. This man is as good as it gets as a personality slash wrestler slash bumper. I don't care what you ask. He could have done it. He was only growing, only thriving, only becoming, and it got cut off for no good goddamn reason. And I don't care how early he was in the series he is as good as anyone you want to put in categories with, so I just needed to shout out Adrian Adonis. Mm, absolutely. That is a great shout out. He will uh, be mentioned on my list as well, not as a vote getter, but uh, as a uh, top honorable nice. mention type. Um, so I'll go through everyone who came up on my side. Uh, we got one honorable mention for uh, Tito Santana, who I think you also kind of mentioned earlier, most underutilized. Definitely a lot more this guy could have done in that intercontinental title scene. And I got to – it was pointed out to me, and fairly so, that for a lot of the intercontinental titles run, it was the workhouse belt. You know, it was before, it will be after. But, man, we gave up three years of great intercontinental title matches to Honky Tonk Man, Ultimate Warrior, and Rick Rude. Yeah. So that's, a, that's very sad in my opinion. Uh, we will finally get back to it with Mr. Perfect in 1990. But, man, we lost a lot of good time with that belt that could have been used on better wrestlers. So that is sad to me. I love that. I, this is, again, what I love about this series because when you said it wasn't really the workhorse belt, I agreed with you. When others said it kind of is, I agreed with them. And I still agree with everybody in that conversation. <laughs> Yeah, different times and places, it was different things. So uh, we're definitely not in that period right now, but we will be again, thankfully. So um, on my short list uh, was Coco Beware. 
nice. I think had definite potential to be used on a higher tier. Um, honorable mention from a lot of listeners, including myself, is female wrestlers in general, who we have talked about, uh, had some really great matches, had really great potential, and they will get nothing for the work they did. They will, they will get, um, you know, their pink slip. They will get a notice. Hey, well, good job, but we don't even want you to exist on our show anymore. And I think that is very sad. That is a missed opportunity for a lot of great performers who could have added more to this era. Absolutely. Give me my jumping bomb angels. Yeah, for God's sakes. That's the tip of the the iceberg if they had wanted to bring more people in. I can tell you that for sure. Were they Royal Rumble in their match? I think so, yeah. They they stole the show at whatever show they were in for me. They did. Absolutely so. Uh, We did have one vote for Ricky Steamboat and some honorable mentions as well. I thought of him too. He never should have been let go when he was. Uh, He was completely dropped off into the abyss. After uh, he lost the Intercontinental title, and he could have added tremendously to this period. Um, Adrian Adonis, as you mentioned, a great vote-getter. Another guy who never, ever should have been let go. When he was let go, he should have been kept on to keep doing great work for a long time afterwards. Sad story there. Uh, My number one vote actually is a guy you mentioned, Dusty Rhodes. And it's not that he wasn't utilized at all, but you have one of the greatest talents ever, and you kind of halfway presented him as a joke. You have underutilized him by a great deal, so that that is something that I really had to shout out a moment there. Yeah, man, respect. He was a strong second to me, and I would love to go with guys like Coco, Owen, um, Tito, because I think they all deserve it. But again, when we're talking about these ceilings, like shoot yourself in the foot because you can. You know, but but why? So, you know, to me, big, big ups to Dusty Rose. Like, we have recognized there will be a Dusty Rose special coming up later. That's how much he matters, whether WWF wants to admit it or not. Absolutely so. Uh, Hercules with two votes total, as we said, tying for second, along with Bad News Brown. Um, mentioned by Brooklyn, uh, Bad News Brown was the missed opportunity. He came around mm. a decade too soon. He was the baby face in my house during the Piper feud, and that is something we have not covered yet, but we will cover a very controversial feud with good reason, and uh, I think I definitely know what he's getting at, but we will talk about that as we get to it. Yeah, I love the tie between Hercules and Bad News Brown, because to me, the two of them have about the same amount of potential, and they got booked about the same kind of way. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. All right, moving right along, we got Feud of the Era next up on here. Uh, we did have a winner on my side with three of the votes, Bobby Heenan versus Hulk Hogan, picking up this one. Amy Stewart writes, lasted two-thirds of the decades and on to the next. It was a full-on soap opera and had so much depth to it. Uh, for years, they would build up against each other. So that that's great stuff right there. That's my vote as well. You said you had three for Heenan and Hogan? You got it. Did you have any for Andre and Hogan? Uh, just one. Okay, so I think Heenan and Hogan are going to win this. All right. Okay, so... Tell me what you got. Uh, yeah, on my side, we got two for um, Andre and Hogan and one for Heenan and Hogan. So our prof went Andre versus Hogan. Uh, BK went Andre versus Hogan. Button went Hogan versus Heenan, and he said... Andre and Hogan, Orndorff and Hogan, Bundy and Hogan. It all happens because of what Bobby Heenan and Hogan represent. Uh, last minute, 
I went with Hogan versus Savage, and I said that I'm emphasizing the word feud, and I don't even know if this is an award that they should be proud of or ashamed of because um, I said this was so historic that I honestly don't think either left it with as much shine as they had prior. Maybe this isn't even a good thing, but I think they chipped away at the legacies of one another. But I've never seen a feud so intense, in, and then I, then I can't even look at either one in the same when it's over. So mm-hmm. legacy brilliance. I think the right people won. Like to me, the right winner is either Andre Hogan or Hogan Heenan, and Hogan Heenan wins it. But I just wanted to shout out the feud element of Hogan versus Savage. Yeah, and that will actually tie for a second with Andre oh. and Hogan with three votes apiece total. So that. That tells you a lot, you know. Um, Heenan and Hogan, I think, is the right one because it's a feud that encapsulates so yeah. many other things, so many feuds that make this era great. But, yeah, Andre and Hogan, you can't possibly discount the greatness of this feud. And then Hogan and Savage, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget that confrontation back in the, 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 the medical room, whatever it was, with the lustful eyes and just, mm-hmm. uh, oh, wow, the way it blew up is all-time great. Yeah, <laughs> Heenan is racking up these awards. Uh, that's big. But also, again, a shout out Hogan and shout out Hogan's promos, like I said earlier, because you cannot, you can't have the three biggest feuds in the era of one of the biggest eras and not bring something to the table that just ignites the fire of the feud. Absolutely. I have one particularly nice thing to say about uh, Hogan a little later, but I'll leave it for that time. So. Um, others uh, on my short list were Hogan versus Orndorff and Andre mm-hmm. versus Jake the Snake Roberts. So oh, great stuff nice. in both of those as well. Those are smart. Good, good stuff. Very nice. Uh, match of the Era is our next one. And uh, I believe I have consensus on my side with three votes. We have Savage versus Steamboat, the choice that you would expect. It was Ugh. not my vote, actually, but I, I will uh, put it up there definitely as a fantastic match. Yeah, I'm sad, but that one's going to win it. <laughs> You're sad? You don't like the match? You think it's just yeah, the match is okay. To me, the match could it could win this if it also wins the most overrated. Like I think Steamboat okay. made. I, I think I found like, a dual category for Ricky Steamboat when it comes to things. But yeah, <laughs> you know, make people think we hate Ricky Steamboat again, but that's okay. You know, that's <laughs> well, I'm not on Twitter, so you know. <laughs> Uh, no, more power to them. I think we got five votes then for Steamboat and Savage. Because you got three, right? I got three. You got two? Yeah, I got two. So the they're going to open handily. What else okay. you got, though? Uh, let me look. Okay, so our prof went with a 10 versus 10 matchup. Uh, he left us some uh, notes. He said that Russell Mania. 87. Uh, he just said 10 versus 10, but he's got some notes, so it'll probably all come okay, out yep. in the notes. Go ahead. Oh, I think 88, I think, is what we got. Uh, WrestleMania 3 is one of the best and most important pay-per-views of this or any era, but I wanted to also show love for Survivor Series 88. In revisiting it for the Legacy Series, I was so impressed by the craftsmanship of the matches, the sequencing of the storytelling from the early showcases of newcomers through the elaborate tapestry of the tag team match to the unleashing of Andre's wrath on Jake the Snake to the exposure of the Mega Powers and pending disintegration. In the main event, Survivor Series 88 has one of the few uh, main events where a babyface victory is properly received as a harbinger of fear, anxiety, and dread. While I could just as well vote for Savage versus Steamboat or Dusty versus DiBiase, I came away thinking that the 10 versus 10 elimination match is a defining match of the era. It is a kaleidoscope of colors with a Tolstoy-esque 
narrative to match the, I love art props, to match the action. It features technical prowess, uh, lightning moves, and intense standoffs. It contains an underdog story, cutting tactics, and the imposition of will by stronger men on weaker men it involves the settling of scores, chance encounters, and the birth of new rivalries. It has character development through uh, endurance, betrayal, and revenge. This matches the WWF of the 1980s. Mm. That's beautiful. Woo! Our prof should write comments for every show that we can read because, uh, yeah. man, he he's on a high level. We got a lot of great commentators, but he's he's right up there. Well done, well said. Yeah. Um, I think I went I went with Hogan and Andre because I didn't really I just wanted I think I knew what was to come, which was this uh this a uh, hot take of uh, Steamboat and Savage being the best match of the era. So I just wanted to uh, stand against it. Dusty Rose and Ted DiBiase, I think, will be one of my runners up, and then. I don't know, man. It's hard. The ten, the ten versus ten, and the brainbusters all deserve love too. So, well, good do. stuff. They do. Um, so yeah, uh, you may be happy to know Andre and Hogan will handily take second place there uh, with three votes total. Uh, Amy Stewart writes: uh, Overall, a so-so match for wrestling, but it told a great story and became the benchmark for what a WrestleMania moment is. It is the measuring stick for a main event that all future events must reach to match in exposure and popularity. And I don't know if any have, to be honest, but uh, it, it is definitely a gold standard in that category. Yeah, it is. And again, like I see so many people listed as maybe the worst match of all time. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you not understand what they were doing? Can you not? like If you can sit down and watch that and not understand what is happening for what isn't, I feel sorry for you as a human being, and I don't even mean that personally. I just mean I do feel sorry for you because I think your felt sense is broken. That's all. <laughs> I'll say I understand. Um, there's something very different to watching the way we did with all the buildup and investing in the yeah. era and uh, having these connections and then just sitting down and watching it cold, which is yes. what I did originally. And I used to say, wow, this match, like, it sucks, <laughs> you know? I used to think it was terrible. So it really depends on your perspective. So anyone who doesn't like the match, I totally get it. But I would encourage anyone who wants to watch it and maybe hasn't or, or who hasn't experienced it in a positive way, try to watch like the build-up, try to be invested in the era because it really brings it all together. It's a brilliant match, I believe, now, and it deserves a lot of praise. That is a great cleanup. Thank you. A few minutes ago, folks... I, I said that if you did not enjoy the Hogan-Andre match, your felt sense was broken. I just want to apologize to the listeners out there because I am not I should not be able to judge if your felt sense is broken. Okay, we're back on track now. Uh, you're good. I was out of line. You're a good, honest person. You can, you can say things like that, so I appreciate you, Mystic. <laughs> nah, but you're right, though. Like I, I, I was too quick to judge because I do think if you just drop in on that match, especially if you come from another era, because it almost looks like – yeah. There ain't there are no lights in the building, you know. It's a short <laughs> matchup, like they're not doing much. So yeah, there are a lot of ways that I, you could critique the match, but I do think if you put it together, like Ms. Van said, in the whole package of things, uh, it, it's a brilliant thing to behold. Yeah, I think context elevates it to an extremely high level that you won't see if you kind of don't look at that stuff. So cool. Um, the only other number one vote getter was mine. Um, I took the Brain Busters versus the Rockers from Madison Square Garden in January. And, man, part of this is just my love of the Brain Busters, but, God, I felt like they killed it 
in a way that nobody else did. And this ended up being my favorite Brain Busters match. It's so smart. It's so filled with little nuances, little movements, little bits of psychology. Like, to me, the Brain Busters are brilliant on a different level to everyone else in the company. So if you did not have a chance to check this out, it should be findable. It's January 23, 1989, Madison Square Garden, Brain Busters versus the Rockers. Uh, that is my number one pick as a huge favorite for me. That's a great shout. And not only do I love that because, again, we were talking so much about the Brain Busters and then they don't get mentioned unless it's a tag team, you know. So I'm glad you did that. And I'm also glad the Rockers now get a reference to get on the board a little bit. So, yeah, definitely check out that match if you did not. Madison Square Garden, the Rockers, the Brain Busters. Absolutely. Uh, just a few others that were mentioned by myself or others. Uh, Brain Busters was Heart Foundation at SummerSlam. So I think that's a great one. It was controversial when we talked about it. Uh, Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect on that very recent episode of Primetime that we covered. Dusty Rhodes versus Ted DiBiase, which you mentioned and I think really is a brilliant match. And then also the 10 versus 10 87 Survivor Series match mm. was shouted out by Ryan Evans as also being top tier material. I love that both of the 10 versus 10 matches got on the list. <laughs> Me too. I love those. I wish, um, you know, they actually did one. A few years ago, I think. And it was still pretty good, even with WWE being kind of a really different beast now. So something about that, all the people in there, kind of the different strategies of it, uh, the visual of it with, like, the ring just being surrounded by guys up on the apron. It's really good stuff. So I appreciate those matches a lot. Absolutely. Cool. All right. We got down to our last two awards, which are a little bit different. I think maybe uh, slightly hard for people to interpret at times. I include myself in that, and yet I love what we got out of them. So thank you for kind of pushing these on the ballot. Uh, we have first, Best Tribute to the Heels, a prisoner action that honors those on that side of the line. Uh, got a big spread on mine, but with two votes coming out on top, Jesse Ventura bridges the commentary divide with integrity with Gorilla Monsoon. Okay, so... Um... I got a tie two two to two, so I I don't think that one will win. Okay. That one's not on the list. So it depends. I don't know what you have. So let's see. I will tell you. Uh, we got no comments, so I'll just leave it at that and move along. Our prof and BK picked the Heenan family celebrates together after winning the tag team titles. Very nice. And Benjamin Button and myself both chose Andre supporting the Heenan family. Okay, so I believe then we will have, with three votes, the winner is Andre supporting the Heenan family, yes. and that's a great pick because time after time, Andre the Giant would support his fellow members. He would chant for Bundamania. He would come out for his uh, family members. He would help the Brainbusters win the tag team titles. Uh, he would help King Kong Bunny defeat Paul Orndorff. He would uh, do just tons of stuff in service of the family. So you got to show... Tons of love for Andre the Giant showing incredible integrity on a side which supposedly had none. Absolutely, man. I To me, again, it's weird because this is the winner of the tribute to the heels, and it's more of the evidence to me that there were not baby faces and heels when this era was at its best because the Andre the Giant just carried himself to me higher and better than anybody uh, in the WWF at this time, and I think nobody deserves a win more than Andre for what he did for others around him in the Heenan's family. Yep, I agree with that. That was my number two pick out of everything. Uh, some other top vote-getters. Uh, 
Ryan Evans shouting out the managers for taking an uncountable nice. number of bumps for their wrestlers, which I think was very fair. Uh, Brooklyn voting for what Sensational Sherry offered to Randy Savage after his spirit was kind of broken at WrestleMania 5, giving him that dark redemption. It's yeah. good stuff. Uh, my number one vote is one that I forgot to put on the list, and yet I feel very strongly about it. Bobby Keenan, in 1987, got a suspended Andre the Giant, reinstated, and became his manager, and he brought him back when nobody else would. Captain Lou Albano retired and left Andre under that machine mask with no real way to come back, yet Bobby Heenan, he's the one who brought Andre, he went behind closed doors, he brought Andre the Giant back to the roster, and he propelled him to that world title opportunity that he deserved. So, to me, that is my number one pick. Oh, this is what I said earlier, is that there, there has to be things that that, that just kind of lost because they were older and we, and we had that break. That is a beautiful moment. That is even if these awards are hard to understand, that right there exemplifies what we were trying to get at uh, with these awards. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I could shout that out. To me, that is quintessential. Like, all the baby faces that loved Andre so much and were so offended when he turned mm. heel, not one of them used their stroke to get him reinstated. So that should tell you something right there. Man, I love that. I love that. I also love who won and, you know, Bobby, it's, it's Bobby Heenan and, and Andre again are just the heart of that side. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. They they show something that nobody else shows. They're incredible. Uh, I love it. Uh, we have the flip side as well. Best tribute to the baby faces. And uh, once again, I have uh, it's the flip side actually of the one that won the other side for me with three votes. Gorilla Monsoon bridging the commentary divide with integrity, along with Jesse Ventura on my side. So that may win or it may tie that because it's not listed on mine. Okay. Um, do you get? Do you have any for Piper? Uh, I have one for Piper, my own. So does that put him ahead? No, that, that was a tie. Okay. So, all right. so we got. I got. Uh, I got one from our prof uh, for Hercules swings the chain to clear the platform of the men who sold and bought him. So that one gets one. Benjamin Button wrote in Hogan slams and defeats Andre the Giant. As his choice, and then BK and I both went with Roddy Piper attends to the well-being of Hulk Hogan after his shirt and chain are ripped from him on Piper's pit. This thing blew my mind because, number one, seeing baby faces actually treat each other well is a big deal, number one. Number two, seeing Piper and Hulk Hogan treat each other well. Number three, seeing Hulk Hogan be vulnerable. Number four, seeing Roddy Piper see to it and attend to it and how it lifted up the moment and the storyline. Number five, the tone of voice that Roddy Piper used when he said, you're bleeding. It's just all of it was so amazing. So I could not help but vote for Roddy Piper attending to Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that moment lives in my mind for all time. Just an incredible piece of this feud. And uh, it's huge credit to Piper, who was very understated, who sold the moment. But this is where I got to give praise to Hogan as well. Probably the best bit of acting he ever did in his entire life is after Andre ripped the shirt, ripped the cross from his chest, the way he responded to that is so different than the Hogan we are now seeing, where nothing can touch him, and he will he will do his promo and his pose be damned. He was so hurt in that moment, and so shocked, 
he couldn't even he didn't know how to react he shut down and he didn't even know that he was bleeding so it's an incredible moment it's one of the best moments in wrestling that i have known it's it's probably up there with terry funk and the pain of his embarrassment when rick flair turned him down for a title shot that's the level we're talking about and that might be the greatest moment of wrestling emotional history in my opinion so we we are right up there in the top stuff if you know, you know, and folks, this man just gave as big a compliment uh, to WWF, the Legacy Series, as you can get from WCW. And I cannot argue, like, everything I said, everything you said. And plus, Hogan had a baby face at the time. Like, he looked like he was a child. He looked like he was lost. He looked like, you know, we need to find his parents. You know, it was just a great showing. And then Piper, and neither of these guys are known for this. They are known for just going straight forward and attacking and Neither of them was doing it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great stuff. I love those emotional moments. We got a lot of those with Savage and Hogan, too. I still remember Savage. Uh, oh, the pain of Savage, just trying mm-hmm. to keep things together and just kind of knowing he already lost. And I just had to shout that out for a moment because that, yeah. that was some incredible stuff as well. Yeah, what a good era. What a good era. Yeah, man, we've seen some of the best of it already, and we're going to see some more of the best of it uh, a little later on. But, man, there's there's some just untoppable stuff in some ways in this period. So, um, Other top vote-getters, Brooklyn voted for Randy Savage, winning the one-night tournament at WrestleMania, okay. um, which still, despite watching it, it's so weird because it's both underwhelming and yet still like shining in my mind. So yeah. it's a strange moment and yet still an incredible one. And I'm glad it got a vote here. I, I love that. And I am glad I don't care if I never want to watch it. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was an incredible thing. Uh, it looks great on paper, all that great stuff. It, it's good stuff. So, um, last number one vote that we got was, uh, you, you're a real favorite, I think, which is Owen, putting the mask on to uh, help his brother Brett um, look better. By Who did that? Who did that? That was uh, SCJ, and he uh, specified just because of the way you wrote it, he had to give a vote for it. I don't know this person at all, but my my guy, you just moved up the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful stuff. Okay, hold on, because I wrote this a long time ago, and I have no memory, so I just saw it. The blue, bla- the blue blazer wears a mask in support of his slow-evolving, low-esteem older brother. <laughs> What a category. What a okay. category. Oh, my God. That's really brilliant, my friend. It's more you. brilliant now that Brett and Owen both won their particular awards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely so. All right, we got to get to our main event here with the time remaining. I hope we can do justice to all this. Um, I knew this would happen. So uh, we have our first question, which is, if you could change one outcome from this era, what would it be? Mystic, what do you got here? Our process for a specific match I would have Hercules win the 1989 Royal Rumble rather than Big John Stud. For a more general outcome, I would have loved to see Steamboat get a real intercontinental title run from 87 to 88, where he defends the title in showcase matches with real workers and talented up-and-comers like Bret Hart, Greg Valentine, Rick Martel, Haku, and Coco. Beware. Um, BK says, Honky Tonk Man never gets the long IC title run. Ruin the mystique of the belt being a work rate belt and took the belt off my boy Steamboat. If only the rumors of Butch Reed taking the strap ended up coming. So a lot of IC love, a lot of Ricky Steamboat love, a lot of uh, changing of that. Um, I said, this is going to be the theme, I think, through all of mine. The Ultimate Warrior would never be considered uh, for a heavyweight championship. He just doesn't deserve it. 
Um, and then I, I've already said this earlier, so I will not belabor it. How many problems in WWF will begin with Vince just liked his body? Yep. Man, you got some beautiful comments in there for sure. Um, yeah. Hercules went in the Rumble instead of Big John Stud. That that's a particular favorite of mine, and uh, I don't know what that would have changed in the long run. But man, if that could have happened, that could have been something special to me. I know that for sure. So. Yep. Big John Stud winning was a non-winner, and nothing happened, and at least Hercules was on the right move. And I think our prof singled that out in www.lopforms.com a long time ago, and I think he's just as right then as he is now. Gotcha. Did you say yours? Did I miss it? Or Yeah, I just said Ultimate Warrior never becomes champion. Oh, okay. A very simple one that I, I like. So who instead? Uh, is that Dusty then, or...? That might come up in other uh, okay, all right, categories. All right. We'll leave it for now. All right, I got some good ones as well. Um, and we're a little short on time, but I want to talk about some of these in particular. We got Charlie Rose putting in Hogan. Oh, man, this is a huge one. Hogan turns heel instead of Savage. That, wow, man. I It probably would have been the wrong move for business because you don't kill your golden goose when he's still, you know, crabbing out golden eggs. But, man, just the thought of that. We talked a lot about the misbehavior of Hogan, which was not commented on within the story very much, except by Jesse Ventura. Uh, so another credit to him. But, man, I got to sit and think about that one just for a second. I think that's a creative thinking. I think that's amazing. For me, there's no way that the WWF era and what it stands for you know, that, it's like saying Ric Flair should have been a baby face throughout the, in the majority of the 80s. And, you know, <laughs> the companies didn't work that way. I think it would have put even more pressure on Savage because now he's, he's got to carry the whole company as the babyface and get the cheers over Hogan. So uh, in those ways, I can't see it happening. But at the same time, we know Hogan was very successful as Hollywood Hogan, so it would have been curious. It might have been a lot like Hollywood Rock in that I think they would have had to play up that he's going to be leaving all the time because wrestling doesn't really matter and it's like secondhand to him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. With with how invested Hogan was still in this era, it makes me wonder if he really could have made it work. But um, I'll just say this. It probably would have been the wrong choice. But, God, I'd love to slip into another dimension where they tried it and just watch yeah. it. Because, holy God, there could be some great stuff in there. Uh, I think you got you got to turn it. Um, you got to turn Andre back, babyface, too, I think, if you do that. Yeah, you'd have to switch almost everyone. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap, you know. Okay, all right. Um, we got SCJ who uh, also focused on a similar thing. He said uh, he would change Hogan beating Savage because Savage did not get a real chance to shine as champ until 1992, he says, which I think is also true as well. So I don't know what that looks like exactly, but certainly more time of Savage having the belt um, and maybe having a real run with it. That could have been something very interesting for sure. Is he saying earlier or at WrestleMania 5? I think at WrestleMania 5, uh, just changing that Hogan beat Savage at that time. These people definitely are not investing their finances into the company. <laughs> uh, so that, I guess uh, but I get it, though. I get it. No, no, I absolutely get it. I, and I love the ideas. Um, to me, let me think about, dear God, I don't know. I love what we're getting at because I think all of us are wanting Randy Savage to have mattered as much as he does in our imagination. Like we want that thing to come into its fullness. Like we all can imagine it doing, and maybe it didn't quite do it. And I think that's where a lot of this energy might be coming from. I think so. My number one pick for this was uh, savage beats Hogan at WrestleMania five and acts as the heel champion until Hogan defeats him later. Cause you got to go back to mm -hmm. Hogan 
But imagine if Savage just got like to SummerSlam or something with that title, and you throw out Zeus and all this stuff. I don't know. I think there could be a lot there that you could do. Yeah, that's interesting because you know, then like you said, that elevates Savage in a way. Like it elevates his threat and what he can do. And I think they wanted Hogan to turn heel, or at least Bruce Pritchard claims, around the Warrior time. So, you know, they were starting to think that Hogan's time had run. So this is not completely, you know, some of these conversations. But I like what you're saying because almost anything would have been better than what they did in 89. So, hey, why not? <laughs> why not? Uh, Ryan Evans writes, uh, simply that women's wrestling be taken more seriously, which I agree with very strongly. Uh, Brooklyn writes, and this one's interesting, Andre keeps the title instead of selling it. And I don't know how that progresses exactly. Does Savage beat him at WrestleMania 4 or what? But still, the idea of that, even with him being kind of shot physically, is definitely interesting to me. I like the idea of it. I don't know the defend. Does that turn him babyface, though, if he screws uh, Ted DiBiase? Mm. You know? yeah. So I don't know. But I think there's definitely, if there's a complaint to be made, I'm hearing a lot of Savage stuff, but I really think... Andre should have got something that he did not get. If there is a, uh, from my from my point of view, the greatest complaint to be made. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fair enough as well. Uh, last one, and this is made my favorite comment of the whole thing, so I got a shout out. Uh, Amy Stewart, have Ultimate Warrior trip while running to the <laughs> ring while at SummerSlam, where he'd be Honky Tonk Man. So Vince would give him a tripping gimmick, and he would fade away. Oh my God, that is like that's ten ten right there. We, <laughs> we can end the show. Like, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Oh my God, do it, do it. Go back in time and do it. Let's will it. Where two or three are gathered, he is in the midst. Let's pray, folks. Okay, yes. Ultimate Warrior tripping gimmick. Oh my, it was like it's like the it's, it's the, the deserved Red Rooster gimmick of the of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it. What a beautiful thing that could have been. Oh, wow. All right. Props to Amy Stewart. Moving on quickly. Uh, next category. If you could add one more world champion to the era, who and when would it be? We have Charlie Rose writing Ted DiBiase uh, become, remains champion and defends it against Hogan with Andre's help before losing to Savage at WrestleMania 4. Okay. I, um. I can see that. You know, if he'd gotten some cheap victory over Hogan and Savage uh, wins the title... Instead of, uh, you know, the tournament, he just wins it off as DiBiase. I could see a lot of good to come out of that. It could be interesting. I don't know if it raises everybody or lowers everybody, but I do think it's an interesting take. I think it gives DiBiase something that he kind of deserves. So I'll yeah. give credit to that, for sure. And the World Title Tournament, as much as I hate it, say it didn't really work. So I understand trying to do something different. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um SCJ is kind of a, a similar thought, but also a bit different. He says DiBiase wins at WrestleMania, and Savage beats DiBiase at SummerSlam, and then uh, things kind of continue on the way they will. So a lot of people thinking about DiBiase here, which I think is very fair. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm surprised we haven't had – I was thinking earlier, I'm surprised we don't have more DiBiase references. Yeah, that was actually my pick as well. I think DiBiase, if you're going to add a world champion to me, he's the only one who really makes sense. Uh, who was big enough at one point that I could really see him running with the belt for a while in terms of people who didn't. So I think it's a very fair shout. Okay. Um, uh, okay, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, uh, we had uh, Ryan Evans shouting out Paul Orndorff, which I think uh, is also very fair. He could have won it from Hogan briefly and given it back, and that would have given him 
a bigger shine that he deserved. Uh, Brooklyn had two choices. He also said Orndorff. He also said Bad News Brown, which I would have loved to see. I don't know where that fits exactly. But uh, then we have Amy Stewart, who says, I love this. I don't know if it would have worked, but she says Dusty Rhodes, who was a former champion and turned every opportunity he had into gold. So there's some good answers there. Absolutely. Um, Orndorff, BK also says, uh, Orndorff got the most references, I think. Uh, BK says, Orndorff, it may have slowed the momentum of Hogan's first run a bit, but he was portrayed as such an equal and appropriate foil to Hogan. Um, our prof said, I would have Andre pin Hogan without controversy at the 88 main event, and that Andre carried the belt for the WrestleMania buildup before handing it over to DiBiase or facing Savage in the main event of WrestleMania 4. Andre deserves a title run along Hogan and Savage, but it should only be those three from this era. Mm, mm, yep, yep, I can see that for sure. I honest, I did. I just realized I didn't write one down, so I don't actually have a response to this. Oh well, okay, all right. Any other? Um, what, what's your favorite that you heard? Um. So if I was doing this, it would be one of two things. It would either be I would have Andre beat Hogan as well and then carry the belt because I think Andre does deserve to be in that list of champions. Um. And then, but I think my ultimate pick, which I may get to later, I think I do in the next one. You gotta go with Dusty Rhodes or someone else. I don't care who, but I'll say Dusty Rhodes. Someone needs to bump the Ultimate Warrior the hell out of the run that we're on right now. <laughs> I would certainly be very happy to see that as well. Okay, that's everybody. Yes. All right. If you could replace one person from this era with someone outside the WWF, who would it be? Got some interesting ones here. Two people actually, SCJ and Amy Stewart, both said throw out Terry Taylor. Bring in Ric Flair instead, and uh, I'm assuming not in the Red Rooster gimmick. <laughs> We're just going to assume that for a moment. But, yeah, I don't know. If Flair came in at that particular time, and I think there was some possibility he would. We've talked about how great that could have been with Arn and Tully there at the same time. Now, Flair was booked to be on the Brother Love show. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I remember you mentioning that. So could have happened. Could have happened. Um, this is an interesting one. Brooklyn put in, instead of bringing in Polka Dot Dusty – Bring in Sting instead at the same time. Now, neither of us is a big fan of Sting, but I think we both said maybe this guy would have worked better in the WWF. And if he came in and he bumped off Warrior, I mean, certainly I'd be happy for that. I would hate to miss Dusty, but they're not exactly using him to his full extent either. Oh, I have a Sting reference to come later, too, so I, I like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Evans also mentioned Sting. He said just flat out bump the Warrior, bring Sting in instead. I think that's very fair. He also said, I really like this one. I actually love this one. He said, instead of the Hart Foundation, bring in the Midnight Express. Can mm. you imagine that tag team division? That's a beautiful That's tag team. nice. That's a smart take. <laughs> you love to see it. Uh, Charlie Rose wrote in, uh, instead of the Warrior, bring in Ric Flair. She also wants Flair. She wants to d dump the Warrior. And she also had another one that I really liked. And that was uh, the Road Warriors instead of the Bushwhackers. And that, I okay. love that one a lot. I'm making that trade all day. <laughs> uh, mine is very simple. Um, I think I may have mentioned something very similar to it already. I would throw Zeus the hell out the window. And mm -hmm. in his place, I would bring in either Stan Hansen or Big Van Vader and uh, just see what the hell they can do. Because, man, if the big boss man can come in, feud with Hogan, lose, and still stick around and be a huge star for many years... God knows either one of them could have done that. 
And then uh, Vader in particular would have had a much better base to start from going into the 90s instead of kind of being an outsider. Man, our prof said I would replace Zeus with Vader or Stan Hansen at SummerSlam 89. Me and our prof, we're friends for sure. Yeah, great, great minds right there. (laughs) But also I might have to disqualify that because before that he said, assuming I can't replace Warrior with Dusty in WrestleMania 6 since that is still a few months off. Well, guess what? The build isn't, so we will allow it. So you also can do that as well. (laughs) So lots lots of awesome stuff. BK says I would replace Jim Duggan with Sergeant Slaughter. If someone is going to play the Patriot card, it may as well have been Slaughter. I don't want to make this an apples or oranges situation where I suggest replacing someone like Beefcake with Ric Flair, as that seems to be too far-fetched. I'm thinking purely tough, rugged, all-American gimmick. My disdain for Duggan and what he represents puts him high on the list of who I want out of the company, and Slaughter seems to be a fitting replacement. Honorable mention goes to replacing Tom Zink with Chris Adams. The notion of a Martel Adams tag team just made me giddy. I really like some of those choices. I'll say Slaughter will come in. Um, he'll get a very bad gimmick, very bad opponents, very bad storyline, and that's a shame. But I actually like Sergeant Slaughter a lot, so I like that. And then Martel Adams, that's a beautiful shout as well. I can definitely get behind that. Yeah, I threw out just a handful of things. So, like, um, I would replace Ultimate Warrior. I do. I would like to see what Lex Luger would be like in this era because I think – the total package, not the stupid-ass All-American gimmick, which is going to be on the worst gimmicks um, in the next category, so be ready for that. Um, and then I also said Vader, because the Ultimate Warrior was offered the Vader gimmick, so maybe he says yes to that, and then maybe Vader heads somewhere else, maybe WWF. And then I also said, oh, the, the one I will take above all, you don't bring in the Ultimate Warrior, you bring in Sting, and you make him the Ultimate Warrior, and he acts like the Ultimate Warrior, and runs and talks like the Ultimate Warrior, and you get him the fuck out of the NWA so Lex Luger can win a world title, unless Ric Flair says, you know what, I can't lose the belt because I promised that Ultimate Warrior in WWF if he ever comes here, he'd be the one that wins the belt, but otherwise, Lex Luger can have the field, and Sting can get the hell out of here. Oh. I love the, the the roads we travel many times <laughs> over. They're, they're well-traveled for a good reason. All right, let's see. Let's finish it up. What surprised you most revisiting this era? Uh, Charlie Rose said how crap the warrior was, so surprising yes. to some people. Uh, SCJ shouted out how good Hercules was, which mm. I think is very fair. He has no narrative, and he deserves one, a very good one in my opinion. Uh, Ryan Evans was surprised by how good Hogan was, which I think is also very fair. Uh, definitely not something in his narrative. Uh, Amy Stewart wrote, Realizing how much I missed out on from automatically disliking the heels when I was young, because now how much I appreciate the brainbusters and Mr. Perfect, and I think that's great. Like, our perspective changes in time, and that's uh, that's a very fair thing to zero in on. That's beautiful, yes. I love to see it. Brooklyn, Brooklyn writes, uh, surprised Orndorff did not become a bigger star, which is fair. He is a name that a lot of fans now would simply just not even recognize, and yet one of the best drawing and most successful guys of this period. And mine was, it was kind of twofold. One, um, I was a little surprised, very happily, that I was so much enjoying this rewatch, because I'm not a guy who really rewatches things very often. I kind of like to seek out the new stuff. I have a good memory. Um, but just watching it again was very fun, even though I've watched it not even that long ago. And the second thing, how easily stuff slips below the surface, because this watch was a little different. In my last watch, I did a lot of, like, weekly TV, kind of under-the-radar stuff, like all primetime wrestling, and there's so much gold 
that doesn't even surface in a run like this. Like we, we, we could get out our shovels and unearth probably three times as deep as we yes. have, and we would yes. still be finding great stuff from this period. That is true. Humbly. Like we're doing the best that we can and we are trailing far behind because man is so much. So much good stuff. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Our prof says, I have been so impressed with the sophistication of the storytelling from this era, how the intensity of the inciting incidents are positioned as starting points to long-term views that demonstrate narrative consistency and historical memory. I grew up with this era, and I can see now in retrospect how it was the narratives, even more than the spectacle, that kept me hooked. Preach. But probably the most surprising aspect of rewatching 80s WWF is coming to appreciate how much Andre the Giant was the anchor of the entire era. Andre has been a marvel of size, a swagger, and whether in his choice of sport jacket or his work as a team player for the Heenan family, so often the most human character on the show. Mm. So big stuff there. I love those narrative references because that's what blew my mind first, too. For sure. Uh, BK says what a true revelation Andre the Giant was. He had way more massive thumbprint on this era than I remembered as a child and so I decided to flip that as well since I had their categories I said how objectively great Hulk Hogan is Mm. to start Mm. and then how sophisticated the booking stories characters and narratives can be almost everything that has kept me from rewatching this era is what launched me into a deeper reality of an appreciation for this era that's a beautiful thing. And, yeah, I would challenge anyone who has doubts about this era to just try to take some time and really invest in it because we've praised it a lot, and rightfully so, I think, um, because there's just there's just something about it. It's some of the most fun I've had watching wrestling, and I've watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> so that should tell you something. My Lord. Whew. All right. Last category to run through very quickly. Based on the coverage of the series so far, 85-89, who would you expect to be the leaders, uh, the leader of the 90s in the WWF? I'll say my answer first. I honestly, based on what I've watched, would say nobody presents themselves very well. Uh, they have struggled to position a real successor, and there's simply no following Hogan at this point. Like, I've already seen enough to doubt that it would be Warrior. Nobody else is really positioned my best guess, I think, if I was watching 85 to 89, I would say Hulk Hogan is going to fuck off to Hollywood or something, and then, and then, we will really have Randy Savage the way we deserved him. And I'm sitting here thinking mm. about Randy Savage being on top of the WWF from 1992 to 1997. And if you can imagine that, holy shit, like, that's some incredible shit to me. Imagine he's retired at, like, 1998 by Steve Austin and man, just that's a beautiful world that I think we could have lived in. I like that a lot. And Randy Savage wanted to be part of that. Randy Savage wanted yeah. to lift up Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and how you think that Bret and Shawn can go to that next level by simply pushing other people out is really just why they can't in some ways go to that level because you didn't give them an opportunity to do the climbing that needs to be done to get there. Mm, absolutely. Uh, other answers, uh, Charlie Rose, couldn't really pick someone based on what we've seen. She said, uh, bring in Lex Luger instead. Let him reign. So there's one for you, my Woo. friend. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Lord have mercy. You'll love to see it. Uh, yeah, SCJ. I like that at hour three. I just got my energy back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second win for the last few minutes. I love <laughs> to see it. 
Uh, SCJ says uh, Bret Hart, based on what we've seen, or cheating a little, maybe Undertaker will be the leader of the 90s as a whole. So that's that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, Ryan Evans says, based on what we've seen, it looks like it has to be Warrior, but could also imagine it being Perfect, Savage, maybe Shawn Michaels, even Hulk Hogan himself hanging on in the WWF. Uh, Amy Stewart had a very interesting one, said uh, they could have tried to push Rick Rude in this spot, uh, admitting he was boring in matches, um, but yet he always seemed one step away from a top feud. Uh, and heel champs were not common for this era, but he could have been someone to root against, which I think is very interesting. Uh, Brooklyn shouting out Ultimate Warrior is kind of the obvious choice at the time of who would move forward. Yeah, I'm no selling the shit out of that Rick Rude suggestion, but, you know, <laughs> the respect respect to it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't answer this or send this to anybody, so somehow it escaped my list. So I think I added it at the last minute, so, ah. you know, it is what it is. Um, I love it, too. God, I wish it had been there because that's a that should have been there because we got to think like that as we go forward. That's a great question. Any answer and you a, want to give in our last minute here? No, I think what I learned from listening to it is that it was a very difficult place. Whether they should have been building people up or whether people were just not there, there are not honest, obvious answers. It's not the ultimate warrior. I think the closest I can do is go with you and say ride Randy Savage as long as he can go because he not only represents that old era, but he would enhance Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret Hart. And then you got Undertaker coming in. So there's a lot of cool stuff they could have done. And Savage and Flair will be great. So, yeah, I think Randy Savage might be the closest I can think to an answer just off the top of my head. I would love to see it. Um, so that's a lot of great stuff. We're really up on our last minute here. So thank you everyone for listening. You know, my usual shit, visit us at, uh, lopforums.com, uh, and join the conversation. Thanks so much. We will be back in two weeks for the start of the 1990s. Mystic, go ahead and take us home. Thank you so much. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite.